From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, a show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about Serenity. It's the 2005 film. It's written and directed by Josh Whedon and it's basically about a crew of renegades on a ship called Serenity and they're trying to evade an assassin sent to recapture one of their members who is a telepathetic or a psychic or something like that. Yeah, who knows? It's 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 very simple stuff in a way. It's space western, but I think they got the things. I think they got. I think the writing's right. Yeah, so that's your spoiler warning. You better turn back now if you haven't seen this movie yet. Uh, it's a fourteen-year-old movie, so you've had plenty of opportunity. <laughs> but when you have seen it, tune back in and have a bit of a listen. Definitely, it's well worth it. Now, for this one, sorry, we went on a little excursion, didn't we? We sure did. We went out to the Little Planet Science Fiction Festival which is a lovely little uh, gathering of science fiction and movie fans. Yep. Uh, it's run by a fellow called Sean David Burke. Yeah, champion bloke that's really into sci-fi. He gave us a big uh, you know, listing of all of the fe- – each year he's run this festival, all the different sci-fi films that he's looked at over, over those different festivals, everything from Metropolis through to something like uh, Firefly and Serenity. So he's a big fan of it. And he was quite a fan of Serenity here. He was certainly one of the many people who wished that Firefly had not been cancelled when it was. It'd been cancelled and they'd been reunited for it, you know what I mean? And the, the energy was there for that. Yes, which seems to be the ongoing impression of this film, doesn't it? Anyone that you meet that sort of is into sci-fi tends to somehow come back to Serenity as being a bit of a... Um, a pillar in the science fiction film era. However, you and I had never seen it before. No, Firefly, it was only one season, uh, 13 episodes, 11, 14 episodes and 11 got shown. So yeah, three, of them, odd. three of them, <laughs> I, odd. I don't know, I haven't looked at it. But it I, was before Netflix. Imagine those, those three of them have probably popped up since. Yeah. But uh, it, so it, it came and was cancelled and left before I really got around to watching it. Yeah, me too. So I, I saw little snippets here and there. I remember channel surfing at one point and I stopped and looked, saw a bit of it and it, uh, 10 minutes and I kind of like, well, mm, I don't know. I moved on. Yeah, me too, I think. But uh, it was, so it was really good going along getting invited to this uh, little, there's this screening and dinner and uh, getting a bit of background about it and meeting someone who was very passionate and, and interested in the movie and TV series. And then getting to watch an episode, we watched uh, Janestown, which is episode seven yep. of Firefly, and then and then that was Sean uh, Sean's favourite episode. Yeah, uh, and then we we watched the movie Serenity, which, as I understand it, sort of rounds off one of the story arcs. I could definitely see there are still a number of things not answered, but yeah. I, I think 
it was the opportunity that Joss had to uh, close the show out with at least some sort of um, closure. Yeah, well, I looked a bit into this after we watched the film and apparently Josh Whedon was, you know, he, he was pretty disappointed when they cancelled and, you know, not finished the season and he really went out there pushing for another season but no one was interested in that and so then he started pushing the idea of a film or multiple films and fans actually thought when they did hear that Serenity was coming out that if it was big and successful that they'd probably get like a trilogy out of it um, but, it, but it kind of wasn't either. Um, so we'll talk a bit about that later. But yeah, apparently he really wanted to kind of finalise off uh, the season by this sort of movie context of it. But I think it was really great that at the festival that you and I went to that he did play an episode because it gave it then context, didn't it, in the movie. It made the movie a little bit different that we yeah. had these characters. Met some of the characters we, in, the, yeah. in the show. And, yeah. uh, they were, I think they were a little bit more serious in yeah, the movie. Yeah, it seem that way. But... Still, you could identify them all, and it was quite good. Was yeah. I think the movies here had a slightly less jovial, uh, less jovial banter, and it was it was a little bit. The, all the characters were a little bit more intense. Yes, uh, and and I think that's probably common when you're looking at a movie from a TV show. Yeah, it usually definitely. goes the other way around, but it works the other way around where the movie usually has the greater intensity, and the TV show they've got more time. Uh, more room and the characters are sort of a bit more relaxed, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and they can expand. <clears throat> they can expand their story arcs, can't they? A lot more in the TV show. Mm. Yeah, and I have to say, having watched the movie, uh, I'm interested in watching some more of the show, like in you know, the first few episodes, uh, get a bit more of this background because it's an interesting universe. Verse, I think it's shortened to in this <laughs> uh, that Firefly is set in. Yeah, definitely. Was, well, uh, the film does set us up a little bit at the start of what the world is like. But, yeah, I think when you look at the, the TV show, it's a bit more of that. I guess, I mean, it's not a fair to say it's like Star Trek, but I guess in the TV show they probably visit different planets and or different colonies and maybe probably have different, uh, you know, experiences with those different creatures or aliens or different things along the way. So I can yeah. see why, you know, a science fiction audience would be really interested in that. Yeah, I think the other interesting aspect of this, and perhaps this is why it got cancelled, is because it is a bit of a niche science fiction. Yeah, it is. It, as as it was pointed out to us there, and, and we recognise it, it was a science fiction western. Mm. And very noticeable in the episode we watched, the TV episode, the uniforms, the outfits, yep. costumes that the characters wore. Yeah. Would, you know, if you ignored the spaceship they arrived on and some of the language they were using and so forth, it, it could easily have been Little House on the Prairie yeah. or um, yeah, Dr. Quinn or there was some other one with some dude with long hair and like a tassely jacket. I can't remember what that movie <laughs> that show was called. And, you know, it was, it was that sort of, had that sort of feeling to it. It did, definitely. But there was space adventures yeah, involved yeah. And, and science fiction sort of concepts of um, weird disease type things. I, I guess it was actually drugs, wasn't it? That, yeah. That screwed up those Reva types. Yeah, and you know the sort of government issues which are more science fiction related, and this telepath, yeah, uh, situation, uh, which uh, I haven't watched all of Doctor Quinn. I've watched a fair bit of it. No telepaths. <laughs> no telepaths in Doctor Quinn. Oh. So, what was your number one takeaway from Serenity? Number one takeaway from the movie Serenity was that 
uh, Joss had no problems with killing their primary characters. No. That was quite good and, and that exciting. that was good, wasn't it? Uh, it's the ending there. As I said, we do have spoilers here. The ending saw an, a couple of deaths and a couple of very near deaths where you are left wondering if, in fact, the characters had died or not. Yeah, and and know, I, knowing that Serenity was the end of the story, yeah, you certainly got the feeling that perhaps they all do just kind of die. Yeah, yeah. And that would fit with the Western. In, in a lot of these sort of Westerns, the people achieve their goal but uh, suffer grievous gut wounds and bleed out yeah and i mean sean mentioned that a reason why it was attract attractive to firefly and serenity for him was the fact that it was quite gritty you know it was quite a dirty world um in that you know like okay the drama and the action you know it's not nothing too graphic or anything but he just meant that the society that's being played out is quite a gritty society yeah, and, the, and the technology involved for example one of the characters there, what was her name? She was the um, companion. The companion, Anira. Anira. Yeah, Anira. Anira. Yes. Yeah. So these companions are, you know, somewhat spiritual therapist, counselor, uh, sex workers. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say prostitute, but it is more sex worker because sex worker, yeah. they do more than just you yeah. Know, they're sort of, uh, and and that in itself is is bordering on. Slightly controversial, I suppose, if you're looking from the point of view of westerns, where you would have the prostitutes in the bar, the saloon. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, you've got a sex worker who is also seems to solve people's problems for them, like a bit mm. of a therapist. Yeah. And and it seems to have a, a spiritual bent. I'd have to watch the, the yeah. series to find so, out what the spiritual yeah. side is. We didn't. There wasn't but really deep in the was TV. It was distinctly a religious. Yeah. You know, side to it because it was. Uh, you know, there's your little tea ceremony type thing. Yeah. This was in the episode we watched. Yep. And in, in Serenity, the movie, they visit her home world and it sort of has this almost um, Japanese-looking pagoda-type yeah, arrangements, uh, which, yeah, sort of... And so that, that, I think, also is not common. You wouldn't see anything like that, I think, in Star Trek, no. for example, which would be uh, far more... Um, squeaky clean. Well, I guess like uh, you just made me think because you said Japanese like a geisha, right? Like because they're like a, a yeah, sex I, worker, but just in a different way to like the Western sex worker. You know, yeah, so it is a bit more not, spiritual. They're think, usually not it? hands-on, as it were. Yeah. They're, they're more the psychology yeah. of the um, desire. <laughs> yeah, what would you call it? The psychology of the engagement, if you yeah. will. So that's what I mean. There's a bit more of a connection to that. Yeah, so it's, it's quite good. And the other thing is there's no teleportation. There's no faster than light. Uh, there's there's no easy, uh, super easy text solutions. So no. in Star Trek, often there's a bit of techno babble and then yeah. some sort of technological solution uh, which solves a part of their problem. Yeah. The other part of their problem almost always has to do with the characters. But yeah. they have these two parts in Star Trek, the tech and, you know, and some sort of hard science fiction concepts mm. along with character development. And this one here, they didn't they didn't have that technology to no, fall back no, no. on there. These spaceships were sort of rickety and wobbly and 
there had, had lots it, of wires and stuff, yeah, which, which I liked. I liked noticing very all that. You know, there was tubes and wires, and, and it was very industrial. It was very raw, wasn't it? As mm. a spaceship, even though obviously it's flying in space and gravity was contained, there was sophistication there. There wasn't like this advanced technology. It, it was. I can understand what Sean was trying to say about that. You know it's kind of like us but just in a couple of hundred years so it's not yeah. like we've it's not like we've invented the speed of light or teleportation or laser guns or anything like that but we can travel but it's let's just take a bus and put it in space kind of thing you know? stage <laughs> like, coach i guess yeah, yeah and yeah. the spaceship serenity itself does look a bit horse-like yes which i find funny <laughs> yeah. it's just it's an ungainly looking it is. It's a funny, animal. Yeah. It, it has a distinctly head shaped or maybe yep. like a swan. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're here in WA. We we've got the black swans black everywhere. Swans, yeah. So. Bit bird like, yeah. I it mean and the, definitely when there's in the movie again, when they have that huge scene with all the reavers, you know, like all the ships look like shapes, don't they? They're not and I reckon that was deliberate. You know, they are all sort of animal shapes. Or yeah, certainly all the, all the river of, ones were. They're yeah. not just these, it's not like Star Wars or any or Star Trek. They're, they're kind of, they are physical shapes, I think. Yeah, yeah a couple of them look like spiders yeah. and some look like uh, some sort of well, weapon. Yeah. Yeah, although the Alliance spaceships in that were far more streamlined more, and smooth. Yeah. And, and that's because they're evil. Yeah. <laughs> that's one more of those, sophisticated, more, yeah. One of those oddities in science yeah. fiction, isn't it? That, and, I mean, there is the joke with Serenity because at the start it loses a panel and yes. at the end it loses a panel. Like it's a I, I really it's love hodgepodge that. together. I really yeah. love that start there where it's, yeah, the slow camera movement through his dramatic music. Yeah. They're entering the atmosphere and it's... And then like a panel goes... And flies off. Wait, what was that? <laughs> Yeah, so it's was, a very important piece of this ship. We might, we may all die now. So, I mean, and that's, I think, what the strength is of this whole film. And I'll come back to it later with the technical stuff. Is just that dialogue uh, the, that we've got this serious science fiction western. And by no doubts, this is a western when you look at it. Like, well, our key characters got the gun. It, you know, it he's opens wearing the with boots, a bank hold up. Yeah, there's a bank. You know, it's it's got all the hallmarks. Of, I mean, even the Reavers you could argue are like the old American Indians in the old cowboy as, Westerns, as they were portrayed like, in the like savages, Westerns, yeah. you know, they're, they're savages, you know, on the forefront and you don't go out to the, you know, the wild West, you know, they're out on the wild West. No yeah. one enters they're out, out the frontier. Yeah. Then. And then you have the government kind of like the old railways in those cowboy, those American cowboys yeah. it used to be the, we're building the railway line to the wild West, but that, and that's like the government official, you know, stance on it, you know, and there's a bit of corruption with the local sheriff. Because really, at the end of the day, this story is also about, like, the assassin and Mal. That's the good yeah. guy and the bad guy in the physical stance. And the the bigger scheme of it, of course, is the alliance and, you know, the everyday person. And the people yeah. who just want to be left alone to live their yeah. life. And the Reavers are too far gone. They're the savages. So you've yeah. got this sort of multi-prong good and bad side mm. to it all. So it definitely is a Western. And that's the thing, even with Inara, you know, like, in westerns, there's always a brothel. Yeah. Well, here we go. We've got a spiritual brothel, don't we? <laughs> so it's a. It was an interesting take. I'd never seen it before, and you'd never seen it before. But we both walked away like, yeah, it was. It was I'm glad that I saw it, and I'm really glad I saw it at this festival because yeah, I think it was, it was a, a really good way of seeing it. You know, in a community. It was environment. a great environment. There were beanbags, yeah. yeah. and there was a, a little discussion. Uh, there was shared food. Yeah. 
It's a good bit of fun. Oddly enough, but and we might be going to splice some of we get to we got to speak to some people on mic uh, during this festival and got their opinion. But oddly enough, a lot of people hadn't seen it either, yeah. which was yeah. a big surprise for me, and I know for you too. <clears throat> yes, right, because I, I was expecting okay, I'm going to come along and everyone's going to everyone's going to be, gonna be fan. be able to tell us what they loved about it. And I asked them because when I mentioned I was going to this to my coworkers at, at the office. They all, yeah, because I'm a computer programmer, so I'm surrounded by science fiction nerds. They <laughs> all jumped up and, and started babbling on about how great Firefly was and how it shouldn't have been cancelled. Um, and there you go. So I, I probably will keep my eye open, see if I can get a hold of some of the early episodes and yeah, me too, get a bit more of a taster of that universe. I like the, I like the way it was being presented, what was being shown. It was quite yeah. good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then let's get into, okay, so this was written and directed by Joss Whedon. You would know him, uh, I would know him from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> loved uh, Buffy, loved Buffy. Loved that, was, loved that show. That was such a good show. And then uh, obviously Firefly, but he, he went on to, uh, he co-wrote Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, he. Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection. He wrote. And he wasn't happy with the end result. No. <coughs> Sorry. And uh, a few other things are the Avengers and Age of Ultron. Yeah, they kind of gave um, him that universe to really develop, apparently. I remember yeah, reading about Agents of that. S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV yeah, show. Yeah. So he's a fair name. If you haven't heard of him, probably surprised. <laughs> yeah. But now you do know who he is. Yeah. This is kind of more... I think this was kind of, you know, he came off Buffy, he came off, um, he did this and he did Dollhouse. Um, and I think there was another TV show in there as well when I was yeah. looking at IMDb. But he was sort of doing a bunch of that plus those other film scripts. And, uh, yeah, he was well known. So when you get to that kind of Avengers era, they they put a lot of faith in him writing and directing. Well, he's, you know, he's so. famous for being able to develop this sort of universe. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the Buffy world. Yeah. Was quite well developed. Oh, Angel! And sorry, yeah, that's what it went on. Angel, to, didn't Angel was the yes. the, the spin story off. that spin off. Yeah, that yes, was uh, and uh, Gina Torres was in Angel. Yes, she plays Zoe in yeah, yeah. Serenity. Uh, yeah, so he, he's he's done quite a lot of stuff. He's well known for his dialogue. Mm, it's always yeah. this kind of well, if you've seen Buffy, it's that it's that snappy back and forward, humorous, but also quite dramatic. Yeah, he, sort of dialogue. Like I think you, you and I, we talk a lot about narrative, and we'll get into the plot of this in a moment. But it's like he knows how to tick most of those narrative beats. But on top of that, the dialogue is quite amazing. Like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of intention boiled into that dialogue, isn't there? Whether it's relationship tension or whether it's drama tension or what's actually happening, there's a lot going on. You, you always feel that the characters have a lot of that subtext which is really quite hard to put. Like I, I write stuff. It's hard always to try to get that subtext into there. Yeah. And I reckon he's a bit of a maestro at that, you know. So even when you go back to Toy Story, I know that's not science fiction, but there is a lot of subtext in yeah, Toy Story. Yeah, and also <laughs> I think his exposition, when the characters are yeah. just describing things, explaining stuff, it comes across quite quite snappy it's quite yeah. quick you don't you don't get that feeling of someone saying right well settle into your chairs because <laughs> this is gonna be a big one yeah that's you know, right like, no. although i could imagine one of his characters saying exactly that yeah, yeah before then having the the 
other characters groan and roll their eyes and maybe say something a little bit funny and then having a side conversation which actually exposes much of what he wanted to say. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's not that whole, like, we've talked about, like, he doesn't really have to do the Pope in the pool. That's not what he has to do, Josh Whedon. He doesn't have to distract us because the dialogue he delivers is really clever mm. and it has enough subtext to keep us going. You know, I, I mean, I, it's not the same type of dialogue, but you probably, like, a lot of people always say Quentin Tarantino's I was, dialogue. I was going to compare like, him... In, it's again, a different style, it's a different style, style but it, but it's similar it's effect. Similar, yeah, yeah it's you, the same effect. Like you, you can you're watch, interested to hear yeah. what the next line out of this character's right, mouth is going to be. Not normal. You were normally used to like we want we want now we want some action. You know, like yeah. now we want so now we want another beat of story. But yeah, it was really interesting. So the Serenity has a pretty big uh, crew on it. Uh, we've got Mel, who's the captain. We've got Zoe. We've got Wash, who's the pilot. Zoe is like a co-pilot. Also, like, Wash and Zoe are yeah. together. Um, we've talked about Anaira. She's sort of like the spiritual, I'm going to call her a prostitute. You're going to call her a sex worker. Don't really know the difference. Uh, we've got Jane. You're going to pay big... more for one. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've got Jane, who's like the soldier. You know, he's the real yeah. tough guy. And that's, see, I, I didn't get the context because I had no context of Firefly, but we watched that episode seven, Janestown, because it's a town about Jane. And he's. He's, he's yeah, worshipped. he's a tough guy, but he's also sort of a bit awkward and goofy. Yeah, isn't he? Like, he's, yeah, it's almost like um, he he doesn't want to be the tough guy, but he 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 acts it because people expect it or something. It's yeah, but I think it's also he's a good example maybe of Josh Whedon's writing that he is. To me, it's like oh, he's the tough guy. He's the military guy. He's the guy with the fighting experience. He's the guy that you could rely on in a battle. But it's kind of really obvious that he's a good guy. Like it's mm. a bit. It's funny. Like I can't put my finger on it, but it's he's a good guy in this as it's, well. Like, I think because he doesn't take himself too seriously, or maybe it's because he sort of um, let's see the way he talks is self-deprecating. I mean, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't do the I'm a tough guy. I'm no. Batman. <laughs> now everything I say is super serious. No, he sort of yeah. He he says tough things. He but does usually. It sounds like it's delivered from a position of he doesn't realise that it's a tough thing to say. You know, mm. he's, he's almost it's, almost embarrassed by it or something. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We've got Kaylee, who's, uh, you know, the mechanic. Yep. Beam me up, Scuddy. Uh, and then we've got Simon, who's the doctor, who's also then River. Uh, River's, River's brother. brother. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was I just got stuck on what what the hell he was to it. And he's a doctor. And I reckon he was a good example of what you said, where the characters were slightly modified for the movie. He came across a bucket load tougher, didn't he, in the movie suddenly. He was, like, he was a lot more serious. In the TV show, he kind of got beaten up and he couldn't like you know, he's kind of like posh. Whereas then suddenly in the movie he was a tough guy. But my, I don't know, that was episode seven, maybe yeah. six because the movie Serenity picks up shortly after the season ends, so well, I, I don't, I don't know. Is that right, or is it just that it was standalone in the in the universe? Like this was just well, a one. Well, no, well, I don't know. Again, I, we Wikipedia. To, I tell you what, the people out there need to come and talk to us, don't they? they we need do. To, we need fans. some input on this Firefly business. I mean, you keep saying everyone you work with is a Firefly Serenity nut job, and they there's plenty of you out there. Please get in contact on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or something. And at, clarify at Space Brains Pod yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, at Space Brains Podcast. So there's a huge cast that we that are on Serenity. It makes sense because TV show does need to be cast a lot of the time, doesn't it? So 
You can look up the actors on IMDb. We don't need oh, to go been, through more. They've all been in a lot of other things. They've a all lot been of, in bunches and bunches of stuff. Uh, uh, a lot of sort of other similar science yeah. fiction shows. Yeah. And, and some of them worked with each other before. And yeah. So it's quite good. And, and interesting, as you mentioned before, quite often Josh Whedon has reworked with a lot of those actors, yeah. which is always a good sign. You yeah. see it with Tarantino. You one see of them's in the, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I can't yeah. remember which one. And, I mean, Nathan Fillon... Fillion, yeah. Fillion. Uh, he's actually in Josh Whedon's latest thing that's about to come out. So. Have, you, have you watched that movie, that uh, Netflix show Big Mouth? It's no. a cartoon. No. You, should, you should watch that. Nathan, okay. Nathan Fillion is that. Okay. He's the imaginary fantasy of one of the sort of teen girls. Okay. <laughs> she's, a, she's a total nerd and she has this weird fantasy where she's on a Serenity-style spaceship, <laughs> but it's shaped like her okay. uterus. And Nathan Fillion is there, and it's it's quite funny. Okay, sounds creepy. I like it. Uh, so we should, I think, um, look, and you didn't ask me this question before, but I think this is probably a hope. Because oh, you didn't yeah, actually sorry. ask that question. Uh, so just in case all our listeners out there, are going to, they really want to know warning? what I always think, sorry, about hope, warning, or experiment. I think this is a hope story again. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, look, you could put it into the warning. There's a bit of a warning like, there. There is a warning, but then, you know, as we said, there's a spoiler. These guys do succeed, and it probably is the kind uh, of story that they always are. Do you know, do you know what puts it over the line for hope rather than warning? Is the way the assassin at the end actually comes around to their point of view. Yeah. So he's got this hard-line yeah. government Approach. agent yeah. chasing them who's, who's being very... Uh, ruthless, I suppose, in his methods. But then by the end of it, he's forced to acknowledge the crimes committed by his own government. And he go, as, it's like he goes, ah, oh, that's why you are doing all these things. Yeah. Okay, that's fairly reasonable, I think. So that would yeah. push it into the hope rather than warning because we can see that, yes, he's he was portrayed as, as you know, like the real hard-nosed bad guy. Yeah. He was... Yeah, cold he was, he was and ruthless, ruthless and he's yeah. like he would just kill people yeah. and then but then he he changed his mind he did i'm pretty sure he's still quite cold and hard but yeah, yeah his reasoning was updated with new information and so he updated his opinion yeah sure and did. that that i think is a sign of hope because it's very difficult for us humans even with new and improved information to change yeah yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know how much he changed specifically because of what they did. I guess he did because of the video. Mm. But I think he also selfishly, he was kind of like, well, the Alliance, I'm not their number one assassin anymore. So I'm yeah, there'd be there's a possible bit of that. <laughs> so there's but, a little bit of that as but well. But he still could have finished his mission and killed them. Hey, yeah, he could have just killed them for the fun of and it. And hand in River, yeah. but yeah. he didn't. No, because he went. Oh, that's okay. true. That's true. So that's that's why I think it's that's that's what I think pushed it yeah. over the line on hope, rather than a warning about uh, overbearing governments and um, yeah, behavioural modification. Yeah, and I think I, like I don't think the film was so much about overpowering governments anyway. Like like I know that's set up of the cause of the film, but I don't think that's actually. Yeah, I think the world the world of Serenity is kind of bigger than that. You know, these yeah. guys these guys on Serenity are kind of, you know, this is what they say, like they're doing their business anyway, you know, all these little deals off the table. They're surviving, you know, in the in the wild west of the universe. And I think that would still continue no matter how powerful the alliance became. 
And I so yeah, I see the humanity, I suppose, shining through that, yeah, at the end of the day, humanity kind of no matter how greedy everyone is, you kind of still push it. And someone like Mel, um, who is the captain, again, it was a good he's a good character, he's a good guy, wasn't he? Because he shot first. Numerous he, times. Yeah, well, he was a cowboy and, hero. Yeah, so he didn't hold back from, you know, against the the villain, Victor, he, he did shoot him, you know, once he sort of thought he'd without, have his up hand. Without warning. Without warning at all, you know. Quick draw, Quick shot draw, bang, chest. you know, and he did that a couple of times in the movie. Um, and even the idea of, like, playing off the cuff by being a raver and a, a reaver and not a raver. <laughs> totally different yeah, well, being, I kept it? I kept thinking Raver when what I was watching What dance parties have you yeah, been to? I know, I've been to plenty with these guys there. Um, most people come out of those dance parties looking like Reavers, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> when they've been out there all night. Um, but yeah, like it kind of felt very much, uh, you know, like he, he kind of played against the rules, didn't he? You know, put skeletons on his ship to get through them. Yeah, you know? paint up the blood. And these yeah, are the skeletons but- from... The one of his his friends, yeah, one of his like, friends or associates, places, yeah, so towns that got killed by yeah. uh, the government forces. Yeah, so it felt, I suppose, even someone like him, you know, he was still willing to fight for humanity. You know, like so. Yeah, I think that's where the hope bit comes in. But if I'm wrong, you can hit me up and tell me that I'm wrong. That's what I want to know. So the plot, we should get into the plot. Um, the plot of Serenity. So the opening image. Space, Earth, Earth like where planet. humans. Oh, sorry. We do start with Earth. With Earth, Earth, with Earth that sorry, voiceover. I'm jumping in there. <laughs> with that voiceover of uh, humans have basically moved on from planet Earth. There's too many of us. Pretty standard science fiction kind of premise. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there were deeper reasonings there, but ultimately yeah. that's what that's the basis. That was fine. And that's all we need to know. And then we kind of cut to a futuristic school on a futuristic planet and there's a mysterious woman and they're all wearing flowy costumes so you know they're they're a peaceful and advanced culture because only peaceful advanced cultures have the white pagodas and flowy clothes (laughs) yes and it's kind of it's really uh oversaturated as well in color like it's really bright Mm. and uh so it's a bit dreamscapey i would say if that's a word but uh in this futuristic school there's a bunch of little kids uh, the teacher, and they're kind of basically telling us about there was a war between the Alliance, which they were. Of civilised peoples. Yes, yes, the Alliance, and the and then the, the sort of everyday people, I suppose, the miners and the people that didn't want to support the civilised way of living. Yeah. And all of a sudden it kind of intercuts from that. It flashes like it's a little bit of a weird flashscape to a young woman in like a lab and we sort of see the connection. Some sort of a thing stuck to a forehead which seems to be stuck in her brain maybe. Yeah, and there's a strong connection between one of the little girls to this this sort of teenage woman, I'd say. Yeah, how old is she supposed to be, 20 or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, she seemed young but, you know, she was a woman and her name is River. She's in a lab. She's being tested and we have a scientist uh, explaining to a government visitor that she's really special. She's an extra special one, this river. Um, she's not just a psyche. She is a living weapon. Uh, the govern, government worker is kind of going along with this conversation when all of a sudden he does a surprise attack mm. uh, and he kind of flash bombs them or something, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure what yeah. that was, but yeah, he did. Because he bangs his little stick on the ground, his yeah. walking cane on the ground sort of while he ducks. Thing. And, and it all goes bunk and everyone gets sort of knocked out. Everyone's knocked out. Um, anyway, the, him and his sister are off. You know, they're, they're escaping down corridors and, you know, security are, are chasing them. And they get to an elevator and they rip open the doors and they jump. They're kind of looking at this elevator shaft. And a kind of platform gets lowered down from a spaceship. Mm. And so they're jumping on that. Security are almost on top of them, you know, smashing the glass, trying to get to them. And as they're lifted off, all of a sudden that then cuts away to a man sort of examining it. And he kind of says, stop, backtrack. Then this this footage is in front of him like a hologram mm. and it rewinds, you know, comes back down and goes back up the shaft and comes back down a couple of times. Um, so he's sort of analysing this, isn't he? So, so this is our second flashback within a flashback. Yeah. yeah. Dream within a dream. Sort of thing. It, was quite, it was pretty exciting, wasn't it? It was, it was a great way of introducing all this. And I quite, uh, it was, yeah, it was exposition with a bit of action and also storyline, a bit of plot in there because there's yeah. this guy examining the escape now. Mm. So we've got, several layers of of information which yeah. is it, um, and time has gone by obviously quite you know, frankly so if i ever make a movie i'm, I'm going to steal that process <laughs> yeah. in order to introduce a whole lot of complex information quickly i yeah. might have a few interleaved dreams with flashback and mm. and video footage well, it's a very clever way because you know in the space of like whatever it was maybe five minutes you've had you know humans have left earth here we are with an alliance. Oh, there was a war between an alliance and that. Oh, and people aren't don't necessarily agree with that. People agree with it. Oh, there's oh, and then suddenly we're in a lab, and in fact, this is like a trick, and we test on these special. These people have special ability, and the government is trying to make them weapons. And then from there, they, they escape. So there's plot point there. Like her brother is trying to get River out, and they've escaped. But before we sort of go, oh, they've escaped. And now they're happily ever after. Now we've got the government kind of talking about, oh. How come they've escaped, and what are we going to do about it? Mm. And she's because then what? Then what happens is, of course, that guy is Victor. He's our uh, bad guy, and he's been sent in. And the scientist comes back in, and they have a great kind of conversation about uh, not only the fact that they escaped, but the fact that she was in a room, and they were testing on her, and the scientist allowed other government workers to come in and be around her which means that she could see what was in their brains. She's psychic. Yeah. And so why didn't anyone think that through? Yeah. And there's this doctor, he makes some petty excuse about, uh, even if she did remember something, it wouldn't make any sense to her. And who would she tell anyway? And what's a really good line here, because the villain repeats this throughout the film, is he says to him, your sin is pride. Yes. And in more civilized cultures, <laughs> the um, the failed warrior would fall on his own sword. And he says, well, I don't have a sword. <laughs> and he's just like... Whoosh. Victor pulls one out. Victor pulls one out. You know this guy means business, doesn't he? And so suddenly the scientist realises he wasn't talking metaphorically about falling on his sword as in, which would have been, I suppose, admitting that yeah. he allowed failure yeah. and he might get his lab taken off him and he'll be relegated to being a research assistant. No, no, he has a sword. He has a sword. And so he's, you know, a couple other... I mean, look, I thought that was a little bit funny. It's like, does this scientist have bodyguards? 
Or are these like the other scientists and they suddenly attack Victor? Yeah. Like, you know, because there was two big burly men. I think he had earlier. a couple of guards. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? Well, anyway, he, so... he developed psychic weapons. So yeah. maybe I suppose you sort of need them. <laughs> also, anyway, so... also, your government sends inspector investigation agents with swords. Yeah, so that's maybe true. you do need them. So he um, he does, yeah, he's offered to allow him to commit suicide, but he, he, he obviously doesn't want to. He attacks the guards. Uh, the scientist tries to take away, and he does this awesome pressure point into his kidney yeah, back point, but obviously it's his spine because it kind of makes him uh, paralysed. Yeah, Still standing hurt. upright, and of course he kneels down with the sword underneath him, straight away barking orders to the uh, other young scientist yeah, that that's there. Woman that's so like, like going, oh. oh, God, am I going to die? But he's telling her like a government list of jobs that she now has to do. And this guy is just like slowly tilting over, paralyzed, freaking out, knowing he's going to die, and he just slowly goes onto the sword. <laughs> so, I mean, right there and there, sorry, you know, just step back from that as a writer, like that's a clever plot point about, that's a lot of characterization about the bag. Well, now, yeah, he's, he's straightforward. He obviously views himself as being. Uh particularly civilized about the way he does things. Yeah. He's very efficient and effective. He's obviously a very good fighter. You know, he's, he's lethal. He's no nonsense. Because he's, no he's, he's telling this, this poor assistant, this aide, that she has to go off and you know, start firing so he doesn't, paperwork. And, so the, the key point there is he doesn't just kill her because he could. He, he doesn't. You know? And so he only kills the people he has to kill. You know? yeah. And that's, that's essential as well. So... He's not a maniac. He's a assassin. He's a trained soldier, but he's civilized. He's intelligent, and this whole sword thing and is he, quite weird. He does know? talk with a British accent, mm. so we know he's refined. Yes, and that makes him a bad guy anyway. Had he been speaking with a you know a southern drawl, you know he could be classy, but not not refined. Mm. And again, that may, that goes back to the Western thing, doesn't he? He's British, you know, is the colonial rule. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut to the Serenity ship, and as you mentioned earlier, it's kind of coming into land, and we um, uh, we basically are coming into land, and this panel rips off, and so then we're inside the ship, the cockpit, and Wash is flying, and Mel is our captain, and he's like, "What? What was that? What was it? Sorry, <laughs> who knows." <laughs> It's the same panel that always falls it off. It always like. falls off. Um, and uh, he says to Wash, like, you know, what, what's, what, what, you know, what is that? And he says, uh, it's going to get interesting. Oh, God, oh, God, we are going to die. Much better than how I just delivered it. And here there's a really cool, oh, go, it must go for about five minutes. It's basically a long tracking shot. So Mal and Wash are in the cockpit and Mal then gets on the, you know, the blower. I'm going to go old school. Western, and uh, he says to everyone, this is your captain speaking, we're going to experience some turbulence and then explode. But we have this lovely shot because then he takes off out of the cockpit and we just follow him through the Serenity ship. Yeah. So he's like going through the chambers and, of course, it's a beautiful, when you've got such a big cast as this story has, it's a beautiful kind of like, well, it's, it gives him a chance to interact with each character and just remind us, the audience, of like, each character's kind of, you know, who they are as a character, right? What their quirk is. Yeah. What? So, like, he first comes across Jane and he's talking about he's loading himself up with grenades and 
the Mal says, don't take grenades this time, you know, yeah. like we don't need them. They, they need them, of course, don't they? Um, Zoe, who I then on reflection and kind of looking back at this, I do think that it's, Zoe doesn't really, there's not a lot of point of Zoe here. I felt like in the TV show, she was, she had a point, but in the movie, it's almost like she's just washes white. Yeah. In like the, she loses her strength in the movie. In the TV show, I think she was like, uh, she was an electrician or a scientist mm. or something because she stayed back on board the ship in she order did. to sort out the wiring or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So whilst Kaylee is the mechanic, and there's some mention of her being covered in grease, and in the movie she is in fact underneath their little vehicle they call the mule, yeah, because space western. It's even sort of got like a little head out yeah, of the front, which is which is so so cool when they pull up to the bank and they hitch it yeah. onto the rail. That's Sorry. wonderful. Uh, and she's covered in grease. So yeah, in the TV show, I think Zoe had a bit more. She did because I, I, mean, I I looked back at this moment, this scene myself, and after we watched it the first time, it was like because it is a cool scene. I thought, but then I actually realised Zoe she because he he comes up to her and he goes, "Do you think Wash will land it?" Like he doesn't really, it's not like he's coming up to her and saying, can you fix up the wiring and repanel it or anything like that? Or when we land, I need you to take over. It's like, there's not really a lot of point to her. So I was a bit, okay. Um, Then he gets to Kaylee. And I mean, this is that the ship is vibrating, not exploding, but coming down. And he actually says to her, uh, if this ship goes down, you crashed it. You know, and uh, she, I noticed as well, looking back, sorry, that, she has a lot of old oldie day expressions in this in this film. And she says quite a few. In the show, she does say, "Yeah, she's like, oh, I've got a f- uh, a hankering and a feeling for some sandwiches yeah. or something like that." You know, like <laughs> so she's like the little um, prairie girl, isn't it? It's almost she, like she does seem to reference sex a bit more often she does. and a bit more regularly and freely. Yeah. And with innocence yes. than you would expect from her, the rest of her language. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, her character. But in here, compared to the TV show, yeah, like when he comes across her, she's diving into that machine and trying to get things fixed. I think actually one of the last lines she has in this is when Simon the Doctor says, uh, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's something along the lines of, I was thinking that you and I, we could do something different. And she sort of looks at him and says, you mean the sex, right? He says, and he kind of looks a bit bashful and nods. Yeah. And yeah, she says, oh, well, I'm relieved with that. <laughs> she, starts, she starts hoiking her clothes off. Yeah. Starts... Um, so yeah, anyway, and then he comes across the doctor who's kind of much more in his face and um, he's talking about, you can't take my sister where they're landing and the Mal is kind of insistent. And he's like, no. And he goes, well, you've earned your keep, but she needs to earn her keep on this ship, you know, and she's a psychic. We can use that in this job. So she's coming. Um, and then we find River, who's kind of weirdly lying down and listening to everything and see, and knows that, no, she's going. She's going to go with Captain. They managed to land safely. Oh, thank God. That would have been the end of the movie, wouldn't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, that would have been weird if that was the end. It could have had a crash and everyone dies except uh, Ripley. No, that's only three. <laughs> that's very true. They could have, you know, landed and aliens been, little pods been there somewhere. But no, could have been. No, no. But anyway, the ship lands and Mel, Zoe, Jane and River take off in the mule 
to complete this special job, which is basically robbing a bank, real yeah, Western they, style. I think they mentioned that the soldiers, uh, the, the Alliance didn't have professional soldiers on the planet. No. They had hired goons, essentially, yeah. as the police force. And so they had to pay them in cash. And you take their pay away and they would just leave. And the Alliance would lose power yeah. at this place. So though they are robbing a bank, yeah. they're, they're stealing the Alliance's paycheck so that the hired-on guns will just kind of go, well, I'm not hanging around if you're not paying, which means Alliance. So, And they also say, well, they won't tell anyone because... No one wants to admit that you could rob them, you know. Mm. Like so, yeah. It's kind of like the perfect crime, really. And and as we know, that nothing ever goes wrong with such things. No. <laughs> so they enter. Uh, you know, obviously everyone's down on the ground for the bank robbery. Uh, they get this weird little tiny vault which has <laughs> hardly any money in and, it. And and this is this is part of the old Joss Whedon sort it of is. writing. The, it is. the 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 bank teller. Manager puts in the combo and a little hatch flaps open, yeah. and there's a couple of you know, a little small pile of paper money and a, a few coins. Yeah, and I, I think but, it was it Kaylee leans in and and says, "No, Zoe, Zoe, Zoe." It leans in and says, "Oh, this is the big score." Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mel knows more, and he opens up a secret yeah, sort of button, in. and it kind of reveals steps going down to a huge vault of money and a and a guard. Um. And there is a reference there that, oh, you must have fought in the war. So, like, knowing something about, like, that was a secret yeah. way they stashed money or weapons or something during the war. People. Whatever it was. Um, and then River helps out as well in the kind of group of people lying on the floor because one guy wants to be a hero and she can, of course, read people's thoughts. So she's realising that he's about to pull a gun. So they kind of like... Is, is that the one where Zoe says, you know, what the definition of his hero is? Yeah. And I can't remember what it was. The guy who gets everyone shot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or everyone killed or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is probably a good theme stated, isn't it? Because it's kind of like Mal isn't the re everyday hero. He's yeah, not I like think the he's, regular hero. He's, he's he constantly hero, trying to deny being yeah, the hero. He's the hero, but he's not the everyday hero. It's not until later on in the film when something rather happens. We'll get to it as we go through the plot, but there's there's like a, a key event, which is, as you'd expect, the coming to Act 3. Mm. Key event changes his mind where he goes, no. We've got to do this right thing, heroic yeah. thing. We've got to go through the reavers and we've got to do all the yeah. hard stuff for no yeah. reward Yeah, because that's what has to be done. So River then also suddenly collapses and it's because of these reavers. Oh, bloody reavers. Reavers, they're coming. And they're basically, they all take this very seriously. So we know, yeah, like I didn't know what they were. She gets a whole bunch of these flashes of yeah, death. And yeah, screaming people screaming. and um, bloody faced monster yeah. types and we do then we get a shot outside the bank in the little town and like these things are slot you know coming out of the spaceship and all that sort of stuff and they're kind of attacking anyone and everyone pretty rapidly and then mel changes his tune about the robbery to say everyone get in the safe like if there's enough air in here to breathe you keep them in here yeah um everyone you know like it doesn't matter who it was and um so they do that but they take off with the money the payload I like that payload. Yeah, you know, it's very Western. Uh, they escape and then they're they're being chased by a Reavers. Yeah, spaceship. but one of the 
the hero fellow that they yeah, disarmed right. he comes running out and says, oh, please take me with you, please take me with you, and jumps up and Mel kicks him off. Wire. He says, no. Nah. <laughs> and the Reavers grab him. Yep. And so rather than shooting the Reavers, Mel shoots the guy. Shoots him, yeah. Which again is cool because it's not what you'd expect from a yeah, hero. It's, you know? Well, it's interesting because we've gone from they're sort of robbing this bank and it's a bit shady of its morality here. But then he goes to sort of the save the cat where it's, oh no, there's the actual danger here. I don't really want to hurt any of these people hurt. So get them all in the vault, make yep. sure they're safe. So he's, okay, he's a good guy. Yep. But then he's like, kicked this guy off the mule and shot him. Uh, which you kind of go, geez, that's a bit harsh. And, yeah. and one of the characters mentions that. Zoe, I think. Is it, yeah, yeah, Zoe here. It mentions like, you couldn't have. We could have put him on the ship. You could have given him money. Oh, we would have been too slow. Oh, yeah. but you could take the money. Yeah. And he's kind of a bit. Well, he's like, well, we need the money. Like, we yeah, we need, survive. We need the money. Yeah. You know, like, but you know, it's it's not a strong argument of his. No. <laughs> um. So yeah, they give chase, and we've got this great kind of chase scene, don't we, through the desert mm. uh, with uh, Zoe flying that little mule and this huge smoking. I liked how they <laughs> yeah. did the reavers because you know they did. The ships were covered in red. They were smoking like... Just, they're, they're like rat ships. They, they just were, had crap hanging off them and <laughs> spikes and chains. And they and, kind of... They, they had all that, but then they were a bit indestructible at the same time, weren't they? They kind of seemed to be... I, I think so know, much had already been destructed on yeah. them. That they just, you know, <laughs> the bit of, of the ship that crashed into that rock yeah. was actually just a, a lump of wreckage anyway. Anyway, yeah. The, yeah. the real... It's like, it's like when my golden retriever goes in the water. He's got his full coat on. He, he looks like this big chunky dog. He goes in the water and comes out, and all his fur sticks down to him. He's yeah. Yeah, you realize actually he's quite skinny. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like you know if you were having a car chase between like a Lamborghini and a holding an old Holden Kingswood, like one of the yeah. ones that you just dug out of someone's farmyard, you know. And it's like that's what's chasing you. It does that doesn't really matter if it hits a few stop signs or whatever. Whereas the Lamborghini you can't kind of hit anything. You no, know? It's, it's too full of tech. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like that chasing. Um, and uh, Wash, uh, they call ahead to Wash back on the Serenity, and he says, "We're going to do try a barn swallow." Yeah, barn swallow. Which was like, I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. It uh, sounds dirty. It sounds dirty. <laughs> uh, I didn't think of it that way, but now that you've put it, yep, using the mothership to swallow the mule. Yeah, so, yeah, it does sound very dirty, doesn't it? And it's it's a very cool little maneuver where yeah literally the the, the Serenity opens its hatch its yeah. cargo hatch and yeah scoops them up basically yeah. and then lifts them up high and yeah. the chasing ship crashes yeah well it kind of crashed into them because they're a much bigger ship oh yeah, yeah it crashed yeah. crashed into Serenity yeah which into is, Serenity they took the blow of the ship smashing into it. Um, and that all comes crashing inside the ship and they kind of jump off. And, and That probably explains yeah. though why when they're re-entering, a panel falls off because they do those sorts <laughs> of things. They do those sorts of things, yeah. Um, and there's one reaver on the ship and they all fire at it. You know, that's a good little moment. Um, so Simon the Doctor, this is where we're saying, you know, like Simon's a bit tougher because he automatically just punches out Mel. For oh, yeah, he gets commotion. stuck into it, yeah. So even though he's, he's saved his sister, he's not impressed with obviously the danger that was involved. So he uh, punches Mel out um, for a moment, but, you know, they stand off. They have a good old male-to-male kind of chin-to-chin standoff who's yeah. got the bigger piece of equipment kind of moment. Um, 
but they they then decide in that moment that Simon and River will just leave at the next port. Yeah. Or the next town, I should say, probably. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it amounts <laughs> to the same deal, isn't yeah. it? You know, like this, they, they sort of travel from, yeah, port to port, town port to town. Port to port, town to town. I, it was probably even on a... Was it another planet? Was it space? Uh, I think it cares? was another planet, yeah. No, another, another place. Ne- yeah. Next stop. So um, on that, Zoe and Mel do debate that idea of saving people. And Mel says that we are barely surviving. You know, mm. we, we need food. This ship's falling apart, you know, whether we're going to make it or not. Um, Jane and Kaylee also pack up the debris and they talk about the Reavers because we didn't know anything about them at this point in time. Yeah. He sort of mentions that he's happy to kill people, but there should be reasons behind it, whereas the Reavers, <laughs> like, you know, eat each other he, and, and he they lists, cut their own faces. He lists a whole a, a <laughs> lot of decreasingly extreme reasons why he would kill someone. You know, if you yeah. got paid if he was asked to do it nicely if someone you know took his parking spot if you yeah. know he, he starts money it's, it starts <laughs> listing down and it's getting yeah. quite relatively petty yeah. but you, you can see there there clearly things that basically what he's saying is that if if he's in some sort of state of passion yeah if if he's riled up and yeah. angry or or something yeah. yeah whereas the reavers the reavers will eat people alive and do it all, that's, they do that all the time. Yeah. Whereas obviously Jane doesn't do it all no. the time. And they do it to themselves. They cut themselves. So yeah, yeah. Who would do that? <clears throat> uh, and but Kaylee says that, that it's about the fact that they've gone to the the abyss and they've seen the end of mm. the the black hole kind of idea. And but she's also relating that to well, Mel Mel pushes everyone off this ship. Yeah. And eventually it'll be us as well. So there's kind of a bit of a symbolism going on that the Reavers are supposed to be these people that have, you know, like isolated and they've, they've had some sort of mental breakdown. But then Mel has is going to kick off Simon and River and he's going to probably eventually just kick us all off and be alone on this ship. And he kicked off Anara. Yeah. Which we didn't know about. No. And I, I, having seen the episode, we also see Shepard's not on board. Yeah. So he's obviously kind of had part of ways with a couple of people. He's he has feelings for Inara. We we sense that. We do. Well, you would for the prostitute. Sex. I don't know. I'd have to meet her. Geisha, whatever you want to call her. I'd have to meet her and talk to her and get to know her. Yeah. Well, she see definitely in the TV show. She was a bit more into it. I think. Felt like like the character had more involvement. She had more poise and strength of dedication in this movie I, yeah she seemed a little bit weaker yeah i think so i guess i, I think know. so yeah uh and kaylee's obviously very upset that simon is, is kind of pissed. yeah which we find out a bit more about it um and when they kind of go to depart they they arrive at this next port or town or whatever and they're going to depart um and they're concerned about their safety, but actually River says it's not safe for them. Yeah. That's a bit ominous, isn't it? Uh, so as they enter the saloon, Kaylee also pleads with Mel over Simon leaving, and she says, this is where she says a really great line. Uh, she goes, I carried such a torch. Oh, yes. This is what I mean. And like, you know, there's like, I carried such a torch. Yeah, you carry a passion for this person. Uh, I carried such a torch. It'd been a whole year 
and which my neithers have had nothing which ain't run on batteries. <laughs> and they're all a bit like, God and, almighty, and it's a bit says, too much information. I, I don't think I need to know more yeah. about that. Jane says, oh, I could do with hearing more. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it's like, that's a great dialogue, isn't it? You know, like, yeah. Um, so Mal is in this saloon, like a futuristic saloon, you know, even the legs are going down the table. Um, and there's music and all this sort of stuff going on. And, um, there's a mixed batch of people, isn't there in this? Saloon. Yeah. It's, it's a bit like the Star Wars yeah, cantina scene. You know, you've got all, all, all stripes of people. Yeah. None and of them the, look terribly, um, upper crust. No. And, uh, there's twins. They're meeting these twin men to do the deal with and they pay a woman to kind of like block out the security cameras with her big fan yeah she's doing the the fan dance fan dance in front of the camera um uh and so they're doing that they're doing the deal what was all about the heist and the bank rob and river comes in and she is watching some tv and it's like a tv ad with an octopus animated octopus doing a little jingle so nothing too weird until it kind of mesmerizes her a little bit and she says, Miranda. And what does she do? Oh, she starts kicking ass. She does. All she of a snaps and turns into the weapon that she was promised to be. <laughs> so oh. she basically kicks every person in the saloon. It doesn't matter if they're trying to get away or if they're just, you know, like, hey, hey, nothing to see here. That She just kind of ends up beating the crap out of everyone, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she, she knocks them all out and she's... Uh, Mal says, sees what's going on and he runs over and tries to get his gun out and there's uh, a tense moment where Mal and uh, River are going to come into extreme conflict and Simon pops up and says, you know, good night, sweet child in some other language. And I don't know that's what he said, but he, he, yeah, says, he, some, says, he says some languagey sequence of words and so, uh, River... Falls down, has a bit of a smooth. Yeah, just just goes to sleep. Yeah, she just passed out. Yes. So back on Serenity, they debate about how dangerous River is, and they've got they it locked question, up. At this point. Yeah, they've got it locked up, and um, they kind of want to, you know, like why did you bring her back on the ship? Um, and we're not really sure, like we should have her or not. And they actually Wash is the one that uh, decides. He says, "Well, we need to clear." get ourselves thinking clearer, which is to speak to Mr. Universe. And I was expecting Arnie. Mr. Universe, yes. You know, the old Mr. Universe. I thought, is it going to be some sort of hologram of Arnie doing his muscles? I, I think that was the joke. Yeah. Because it's Mr. Universe and he's, he's clearly a tech nerd, <laughs> lacking the muscles. And they Skype call him, don't they? they yeah, they bit bring of up the Skype. Video call. Yeah, and he's in this lab full of real, like, that reminded me of very 90s, isn't it? It's like this idea of like TVs all over the wall. Yeah, and he's watching all different TV channels. <laughs> I like it. Except that would... That was like, there was only 90s-y. about 10 or 15 TV channels. Yeah. I mean, even here in Australia, we've got free-to-air yeah. 27. Yeah. If you include and, and, the TV and, and shopping I mean, network. It was implied that he was sort of tapped into all of the security cameras and stuff. So it's oh, like, yeah. well, surely be more than... He was just TV. reading all the radio waves that yeah. get sent out. So he's there um, and he watches the footage and he likes it. He likes it. And he also says that um, 
this has not been shown. Like he had to dig deep to get it. So it means that the Alliance is kind of covering it up. And when they rewind the footage, they notice the octopus ad kind of set her off. And he reveals that, um, yeah, this is like a bit of a transmission that he's been noticing is the shape of an octopus um, in code kind of Yes, thing. it's it's called uh, steganography where you hide encrypt message within uh, an image. Yes. Okay, there we it's go. Very tricky way of doing it. Very cool. Yeah. And he says a great line, which is river is very dangerous cargo. And I think she loves being called Cargo. Yeah, I think so. So she's been listening in the whole time. Uh, Simon and River have a chat. She's all tied up. She begs him not to make her go to sleep ever again. Well, she says something along the lines of they they always, they never go and lie down. They just sleep or something. And at the time... Felt like she was talking about the Reavers yeah. never going to sleep or something. And, yeah, they, they never go to sleep and they always fall, fall down. And mm. it, didn't, it was out of context. It made yeah. no sense. But here, here she is. She doesn't want to be put to sleep because she's terrified. Mm-hmm. Of that. And she gets these image flashes of um, mummified corpses yeah. laying about the place. Yeah, so... and. I, the thing is, she says these are not her memories, and that's why she doesn't want to go back to sleep again. She's like, I'm, I don't know who they are, but or, or like, it's very confusing for her as well mm. that she doesn't. It's kind of sending her a bit crazy. Like, don't put me to sleep. We get the Victor uh, assassin. He arrives at Anara's place, and there's just a real quick shot of that, so that she he's rocked up there. Um, and Mel and Co go into hiding at Shepherd's place, which again we only knew because of watching the TV show. But obviously the fans get it. But yeah, there's this guy on a different planet. They go there, kind of recoup, mm. have a beat of relaxation. Yeah, it looks like a a mining, like a typical sort of Western mining town yeah. that you might get in <clears throat> Colorado or something, where there's little yellow rock about the place and sort of mining equipment. Mm. Don't know what they're mining there, but it could be mud. From the uh, Jamestown episode, they went to a, a mud mining mud. town. <laughs> There's people literally standing in a pool of mud with buckets pulling yeah, mud apparently out. Apparently it's worth something in this future. Um, but again, it's like panning for gold, isn't it? So, you know, it's That's the, the idea. Gold, yeah. um, and River here has a dream back way back. It flashes back to the front of the film with, or the start of the film with the little futuristic school. And she's kind of walking through the school where, you know, the teacher tells everyone to lie down. Like, He's trying to lie, lie down, down and have a sleep. Yeah. Have lie down and have a sleep. Um, and she has like a flash of that and she sees that they kind of, the children lie down and they sort of, then they're skeletons, like instantly mm. a flash of skeletons. And here we have again, the next scene, we have that Josh Whedon, di- you know, fancy dialogue or subtext because Anira calls Mel. And there's that tension. Yeah. There's that subtext between the two of them. So even though we haven't seen the series, we know clearly uh, something. there's something between the two of them and there's, this tension was unresolvable. So she got kicked off. Yeah, like she basically, he pushed her off. Yeah. Uh, get the feeling they both sort of want to be together, but it's not going to happen. No, well, they have this really awkward Skype call about 
she left a box of her belongings on Serenity and he's like, well, yeah, she left it here, but I haven't gone through it. I haven't looked through it or anything. Oh, no, I can't imagine you would have looked through it. They have this weird sort of, you know, what you get when there's a breakup and someone moves out of their their mutual apartment or something like that, you know. Um, And the crew discuss it with Mel that obviously it's a trap, but Mel says, well, yeah, it's a trap. We should go in. Yeah, see who's who's waiting there to spring it. So he surprises uh, Anara at her little brothel, I'm going to call it. Temple. <laughs> temple, you're going to call it. Temple of love. <laughs> By, you know, he's, he pops up as she's praying or whatever she's doing. Um, and she warns him immediately that he can't handle this man called Victor who pops up behind them, walks in to the temple. And he's all, you know, he's confident, isn't he? He's suave, he's in control of the situation. Um, and basically, Victor and Mal have a chat off about River. They kind of start with, you know, it's a verbal uh, dialogue between who has the right of River, give her back to us. Mm. It's all very, you know, nothing has to kind of proceed. Be all yeah. peaceful. And, and you, you got the note there about the albatross. Yeah. He says, yes, yeah, you know, she's, she's your albatross. And he says, yes, but albatross are good luck. Yeah. Uh, only unless you kill them. Yeah. You know, there's there's that that sort of dueling back and yeah. forward. And about like, well, if you give her over to us, you know, there's no harm, no foul. You go about your business. But then he like says, oh, but if I play the uh, bad guy here, you're going to play the, you know, the victim. Oh, then, yeah, yeah, you didn't offer me any money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but you know, so he goes, I can't win in this situation. Um, but then they start fighting. It goes to fighting and... Mel fights his little heart out, but he's no match moment. Yeah, he like gets a few good shots in there. Yeah. They're clearly closely matched. Yep. But, but Victor's, Victor's got, got a, a bit few, of the advantage yeah, here, yeah. Yeah. And even Anaira, like, she throws a few punches in as well. And yeah. he's kind of like, so, you know, Victor's up against the two of them a little bit. Um, and there's a moment where he does, uh, as we said before, he has a second, he shoots him. He fires yeah, his gun, bang, but then he's on top of him. He says, I wear body armor. You know, I'm not that stupid. Um, but that was a great, I, I really liked that because it was very much saying a lot about Mel and it was also saying a lot about Victor and it also raised the stakes. Look, as, a, as a viewer of these things, a number of times, people are sitting there talking and I'm sitting there yeah. going, why are you, t- this, yeah, guy, just this guy needs to die. Yeah. Like, that's just the end of that story. Like, it doesn't matter what you say or what they say. <laughs> or if you kill him right now, you might get away. Like, you literally, you know, in terms yeah. of this content, this story, you could just go, run, you know? Like, you and can't so, just... And so often the stories contrive why the bad guy doesn't just shoot the good guy or yeah. the good guy does, doesn't shoot the bad guy. And But in this, he did. He shot he him. shot him, yeah. Just a quick draw, kabam. Yeah. Which also explains why he didn't take the time to shoot him in the head or anything. It was yeah. just a quick flick of the wrist shot bang take him down and quick. and victor fell over backwards and so he's oh well that's that's taken care of let's take our time and do other stuff and it's wearing body armor anyway victor's kind of having the upper hand on mal and anaira admits to them that um that was not incense that she lit and it was it's like a flash bomb mm. and he gets clever there because we see victor like falls back and he kind of you know focuses his eyes back into the room but by, by the time he's obviously done that, a bit of time has actually gone by and they've escaped and, you know, his soldiers are there kind of getting him up. Uh, and they try to, uh, you know, he says to give chase and detect for, 
nat savs and you know detect where the ships is and sat navs whatever it is yeah <laughs> and um uh but they've realized that there's multiple traces of these things so it's like you know they've the serenity's done this deliberately yeah that's not the first radio <laughs> no so he's a bit defeated the old victor at this moment i reckon in honest opinion this guy if he was a real person would have liked that he would have literally liked it. Uh, yeah. He would have like gone, because no, surely normally, like we see him with the science, he's just, you know, yeah, you're done. Yeah, he just was like, okay, track the, like, the, the nav beacon. Like, I mean, like a challenge. Like, he would have liked that. He would have been like, oh, you sneaky little Yeah, devil. he's <laughs> got to track the nav beacon, lock yeah. him down, pick him up. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And then they could get away and it's like, oh, okay. Okay, all right, we well, keep going. <laughs> so I kind of thought, I think he would have liked that. Um, so then back on ship, they Mal and the crew again discuss about handing over River. You know, they don't know what, what it is. Jane in particular is really worked up and he stirs up the fact that, well, in the past, Mal left soldiers behind. Yeah, there was the, the, some was, some battle yeah. and Zoe was the only one to walk out and the rest of the platoon was gone. Yeah, so there's a bit of a dig at Mal's, hero, you know, hero nature. Yeah. That maybe he did leave soldiers behind. Not too sure. Right. It's a tense moment. And uh, River, of course, um, is now walking through the dreamscape back on with the school, um, but except that she sees the planet is not alive with children and people anymore. It's just dead people. It's just absolutely dead people everywhere. So um, when Jane then comes in to try to get River off the ship, he's knocked out cold and the crew have to look for her. Um, River knocks and oh sorry yeah sorry and then she's hiding and they all go looking for her and Simon finds her yeah and he he kind of goes to talk to her and she like knocks out his windpipe yeah doesn't so he want can't him, talk doesn't want him putting her back to sleep again no and she takes off and they like look for her and the only place she could be is maybe the cockpit and Mel comes in to find her and she's basically googling. On their so future Google. Miranda, yeah. and she shows him that it's a planet for miners, this planet called Miranda. Yes. Which was what she... But yeah, for. but apparently uh, there was a, a failure to be able to terraform it mm. so that the atmosphere couldn't be made breathable, so it got abandoned. Yeah. And there's no other real history about it. And I think one of them, maybe Zoe mentions that yeah, she remembers they were advertising people to go there as miners or something, but it all died off. And mm. Yeah, so there's not much about it. Um, and they reveal that, well, yeah, there's a reason why no one goes there as well is because there's this, the wild, wild west, the the Reavers. Reavers Belt, they call it. And that's basically all the Reavers ships. There's no reason why you would go through that to get to the planet Miranda. Yeah, which is just uninhabitable and unpleasant. So they pack so, up and they just go home and they don't bother going there anymore. No. They hand River over and that's the end of the That's episode. the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they head to Shepherd's Place because they think, yes. well, we'll go back, we'll get solace, we'll reband. We'll, yeah, we'll regroup. You know, we'll regroup. talk to our allies. Yeah, we'll talk to our mentor, you know, Shepherd, whatever. And when they get there, they find him dying. Oh, and the place oh, has been Shepherd. torched. Everyone is dead. So men, children, I'm, and women. I'm going to guess that this is probably a bit more moving for people who have watched the series. Yeah, because Shepard is a was one of the one of the characters, one of the main cast crew members. Yeah. So this would probably be, you know, a bit more bittersweet for people. For for me, viewing it was was just kind of a, a plot point that this guy was on his deathbed, 
uh, giving Mal his um, motivation to carry on. Yeah. I think this is the bit there where Mal goes, well, okay. Well, he doesn't quite do it. No. So the he does... They find out, you know, they, they're, they're all the people are dead oh, and that they're devastated. And then Zoe actually is like, we have to tell anyone else that has ever sheltered us. So they're mm. doing that. And Mel is in the ship. And I, th- I I think he's looking at that other other camps have been attacked. Yeah, and so he's pretty devastated. He's pretty down. And then Victor comes in, Skype calls him. I don't know why you'd answer the call, but he does answer the call. And Victor's all going, well, you know, if you'd handed her over to me, I didn't, we didn't have to do this. We, you we, know? we couldn't track you down, we so we just went you, so we're just, everywhere where you've ever been. Yep, that's what we're getting rid of. We're going to be doing that, and we'll just keep doing that until you kind of show up. So he's trying to flush him out. And um, he does say some sort of line about the Reavers, and that's when Mel has the idea. Mm. Um, so he cuts him off. The man, Mel's plan is disguise the ship as a Reaver ship and then go go to Miranda. And the crew kind of... Are like well we you know we can't we've got to bury these bodies they're our friends and he's like no you're either with me or you're not yeah this and is he it. kind of gives him an ultimatum you know and we're going to paint the ship red we need a gunship on top of it we need the bodies scattered all over it so that we can pretend to be yeah I, I noticed a point here that, that Serenity doesn't have any weaponry yeah which you would have expected something but there's nothing uh, so they actually get this ground-based anti-aircraft mm. gun. It looks like an old World War II piece. It does. And they they basically bolt that on the top yep. with someone in a spacesuit yeah. sitting in it, uh, acting like a corpse. Yeah. Uh, so the ship is covered in paint, skeletons, guns, and they head through really... It's a nice moment because, you know, they go into this Reaver's belt of ships, you know, and one kind of puts a massive spotlight on them and tracks them. And then another one kind of like creepily walks behind, you know, like yeah, follows them behind. Follows them, yeah. Is there like another two are like fighting or something or crashing into each other? So it's a very sort of slow maneuver. It's actually very similar to uh, well, finding Nemo where they have to like bounce through the jellyfish. You know, like it's yes. one of those like tight moments. Like you've got to be. We've had all this action and now this is like a slow moment. We're going yeah, to just kind of creep. We're going to be quiet. You know, we might not get through. If we don't, we're pretty much dead. Uh, but they do, and then they come in and land on Miranda and uh, the planet, and it's actually a de- there's a whole city. Yeah, it's a bu- it's a beautiful. Uh, I, I basically, I think it's revealed as being the city that was in Rivers' uh, memories or dreams, yeah, yeah. where she was a student. Yeah. So it's all futuristic-y looking stuff. Yeah, there's you know beautiful architecture. It looks like. Uh, it looks like the Star Trek ideal sort of yeah cities. futuristic city yeah apparently it was a it's a high school in LA so there you go um, they detect a beacon that's the only thing they can detect and so they uh, go looking for this beacon mm. um, and what the beacon is oh sorry before that so as they're heading to it they discover bodies everywhere yeah and some are skeletons and some are preserved bodies. Yeah. But the point that they kind of basically make is that, like, the air is breathable. Yeah. There's no poison or toxic gas anywhere. And all of the bodies that have died, they kind of just laid down. Like, they didn't. Yeah, they're just sitting at the desks. It wasn't like they were shot or poisoned or anything. They weren't running. Yeah, they didn't even try to walk away from dying. Mm. It seems odd, doesn't it? 
Uh, so they find the beacon and it's a crashed rescue ship and they get in and there's a little futuristic USB that they plug in. Yeah, sort of funny shaped USB. Like, shaped like ice cubes or something. And um, when they plug it in, a hologram plays and it's a scientist that was on this ship. She came to the planet um, and it was a planet of 30 million people. And they, she realises that they were trying to give them these packs. Yeah, I didn't quite get the name of the pack, but there was something rather pack. something rather something a chloride. Yeah, which they put in the atmosphere processes. Yeah. So the idea being that it would reduce aggression and increase cooperation. Yeah. So against the alliance, that everyone would more be in agreement with it, right? Yeah. So yeah. so this would be the um, ideal utopian. Mm. Uh, model that they would base all of their planets on. Yeah. But instead of that, it, it did work, but it worked so effectively that it basically, uh, people just stopped living. Like, literally, they didn't stop going to work. This and is an interesting point because in a lot of movies, they use the plot point of knockout gas. Yeah. And you'll note, however, in real life, the stark lack of the use of knockout gas. Yeah. Uh, even though it's so effective in the movies. Yeah. In fact, uh, some years ago, there was a Russian uh, standoff where some, uh, I don't know, freedom fighters, terrorists, however you want to label these people in Russia, uh, probably students. No, okay. they're, <laughs> they're like yeah. Serbian separatists or something. You know, they're, the remnants of some war or other that happened yeah. around there had taken over a high school and had basically locked a whole bunch of, I think, teachers and maybe some students, I can't remember, yeah. into a classroom and we'll hold them hostage and we're going to do, like, shoot them if their demands weren't met. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Russians gathered around, they had their crack troopers and all the rest of it, and they deployed knockout gas. Just like the movies. Just like the movies. Good idea. Uh, yeah, I, I bet three or four people died. Because <laughs> they fell asleep and they just didn't wake up. Yeah. Because the, the hard thing with such things as knockout gas or anything that affects consciousness is it's a very delicate balance well, that's right, yeah. between switching off consciousness and switching off life. Yeah. And that's why we have anesthetists. Yeah. Or in America, they're called anesthesiologists. But specialists, they're, they're trained doctors. Yeah. Who sit there with sophisticated machines to monitor you and... Uh, adjust the amount of drug that they put in based on how they're monitoring you. And they are and you there, have that per person, don't you? Like, yeah, that's, whereas if you throw a gas bomb into a room of 20 people. And they're there the whole time from the yeah. point you're in to the point that you wake up. And even yeah. then they come back and check up on you afterwards. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you go and deploy a gas in an atmospheric processor or, or chuck a, a gas grenade into a, a classroom of people. You know, they did their best. At trying to figure out, and most of the people were knocked out and recovered, but a number of them just they were knocked yeah. out too much. Uh, so I, I found it interesting that yeah, they, they sort of basically tried this, and yeah, they knocked out too many people. But yeah. tell me, tell, did did they all get knocked out and no? Have well, lose apparently, this scientist tells us ten percent of the population they actually became super aggressive, super violent, oh. and in fact, as this woman is saying this on the hologram. Uh, you know, one attacks her, so they get to see it. Oh, yeah, it's a hologram, you know. Shoots off screen, and shoots off screen. They're what they're all looking down at her being ripped apart, 
by, then they realize these are the Reavers. Yeah. So that's where the Reavers come. So the Alliance created the Reavers. So they have a, they quickly come up with a plan. The best idea would be to take that little ice cube USB and hologram message, give it to Mr. Universe. He can project it through the radio waves, internet, googly thing that he's in because got connection this to. This is what they're chasing River. This is the secret they're concerned that River will give out. Correct. So this will sort of deny that. So they've got that plan. So they Skype call Mr. Universe and he's like, yeah, I'm down for it. I'll do that. Sure. And when he hangs up on them, he's actually surrounded by Victor and all of his men. And he just slices him. Stabs him in the Stabs gut. him with that sword yeah. again. And he tells them, destroy it all. All these 30 TVs on the wall. Those TVs. Like, Those I, poor I love TVs. the way in movies they... They, they want to get rid of stuff. They break the monitor. It's like, yeah. you do know that that has no processing power. Don't tell me this, sorry. That's where all of the brains is. And you've got to think that Mr. Universe, he's got this, <laughs> this planet. I got the impression he was largely alone on the, on the planet. Yeah, like, I did too. His storage would not be in the TV sets. <laughs> so anyway. So anyway, so destroy it all and then we'll meet them guy like it's a good plan and so they do they smash up all of the um oh this, the special thing about this planet of course is it is surrounded by a big stormy ion clouds yeah uh, some sort of interference which means that you can't Mr. universe's planet yes you you can't see through it yes like your ship sensors don't work and so it's uh, i think that's why mr universe is the only person yeah. on there because it's a shit planet and you know you can't you can't conduct trade or commerce under those conditions. So then they, Serenity is back in the Reaver belt and it's, you know, heading to Mr. Universe's planet and they're going through the Reavers again slowly and, uh, you know, trying to avoid contact. And then all of a sudden that man that they had on the gun, which I think is Mel, fires some around well, yeah, off one of the Reavers. One of the Reaver ships was getting ready to have a go at them. That's yeah, but I think they did that deliberately so that they would all follow them. Is it? Oh, I, I just thought it was... Uh, no, because that's the plot point, I, isn't uh, it? You're missing out here, man. I didn't think they were thinking that far they ahead. I think they were far. just hoping to sneak out no, there and no, get back that to was Mr. Deliberate. Universe. It was a cool trick, bringing in all the Reavers. Okay, I'm going to yeah. go with that then. <laughs> I'm going um, to edit this episode and go back and remove me. Being confused. No, totally. I can't totally believe you thought totally, that that wasn't yeah. just like the whole plan no, to start I saw with. It because he wasn't up there on the gun when they went through the first time. Okay. Right. So whereas on the return, he's and he pops up and goes bam, bam, bam with the big old World War Two cannon, <laughs> which I mean, uh, I won't even go into it. I'm not sure what the science would be behind that, but um, so then they're, they're all the Reavers are chasing Serenity and they're coming towards this cloud and of course good old victor with all these sophisticated ships is like oh, here they come we will just blow them these to oblivion fools. and i will get my pay rise whatever that will be and a um, sword in the belly probably probably uh so then you know they come out of the cloud and it's like sir you know serenity's here okay we'll launch an attack and then with that all the reavers are coming out of the cloud you know and they have kind of big ships and stuff so it kind of it's a bit yeah, of a standoff. It's, it's My ship's bigger than your ship. Crazy diverse, the yeah. Reaver uh, fleet. It's a, as we said before, it's all sorts of weird stuff. And um, basically, you know, they Serenity dodges, you know, Victor's ship. And he's like, ah, oh, everyone's freaking out because they don't want to fight the Reavers. But it's a big battle scene between yeah, all these they're ships. meters away from each Meter, other. Yeah. They can't help it. They can't help it. They have to fire. And Victor tells them all to fire as much as they can. 
Um, one reaver, but that one they fired on Serenity keeps tracking them all the way and they enter Mr. Universe's planet and um, they kind of manage to outrun it and but then crash land because they've been shot upon and all that. And the ship gets a real long scene here of being kind of deliberately smashed up. You know, like mm. the, the Serenity ship is really beaten up in that moment when it lands and, you know, bits have flung off. And, I think they're, you they're know, trying to indicate that this is, to, this is the finale now. Yeah, this is the finale. And, and, you know, it should have been. And that was fine. But they're all okay, even with this big smash bang crash battle scene. <laughs> yes, well, they're okay for a little while. And then, you know, they sort of take a collective breath. And with that, Mash is going Wash. to get out. Wash, not Mash. And he's fired upon with this massive Yeah, something spear. shoots, comes in through the thing. Yeah, it's one of the Reaver and, things. Right? I, I th actually think it was actually part of the spaceship, the Reaver spaceship. Just yeah. sort of rammed into them. Rammed into them. So there's a couple of those, you know, they're fired upon by the Reavers and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a surprise that he just died like that. And I think, again, fans of the show would probably be a bit shocked. Yeah. Main thing that shocked me was that the actor, Alan Tudyk. Oh, I hope his name is Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that out loud and realized that maybe. Uh, I, I can't help but think that I've seen him in other shows as a He's, bad guy. He has been a bad guy, yeah. I've, I can't, I can't, every time I see his face, I, I have this image of him. Tudyk, yeah. Being a bad guy and. So anyway, there you go. I think if you'd watched this series, you'd probably come to love him yeah. as a member of the crew yes definitely so they jump jump into kind of mr universe places the reavers are kind of giving them chase and they realize that probably the best plan is to hold them up you know hole up in this kind of mm. corner again very western you know we'll hole up here you know we'll keep the savages at bay and it's a little bottleneck and mel can go on and execute the plan yeah so it gives them a chance to kind of like try to get rid of as many reavers and, and hopefully kind of take it back. Um, so, yeah, Mel uh, runs uh, into Mr. Universes, finds him dead, but he's left a message with his love bot and she reveals that there was a computer out the back that they didn't destroy. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. just on top of the generator yeah. energy source. Which, like you said, I mean, this guy's a super nerdy guy. I mean, he... I mean, his modem would be out the back, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that he'd, be the bit that you'd have to destroy? He would have backups. He'd have some sort of backup. Yeah. I mean, honestly, how smart was Victor in this moment? Um, so the Reavers attack and there's a real fight. To the there's a battle yeah, there's, shooting. They're shooting and, and shooting. And then, uh, yeah, while they're doing that, I, I, I guess the Reavers start getting past the door and Zoe is quite upset because her husband, I I believe it was mentioned they're married. They weren't just lovers. Uh, she's she's getting in the whole revenge deal, so she's getting quite upset about. It, and people are going, no, no, you got to come back and join the line so we can actually do a proper defense. Yeah. So that's that's getting quite tense there because it it's look it's starting to look a little bit hopeless there. Yeah, when it's we get, raising the stakes. Well, and we're getting go Matt, for it. I was gonna say yeah, and then we cut to like this. this the battle scene is then cut into Mel who comes across the generator server 
whatever you want to call it, backup. Which has a Ninja Warrior style uh, access Access process. point, which is bizarre. But anyway, he like has to climb up to get to these chains that are, that get you to a ladder on the roof to go across to the server modem backup system. And just about as bad as he's meant to do that, he, he bloody gets shot in the back by Victor. Bloody Victor. That's crazy. He just shoots him in the back. Um, and so, you know, and he actually mentions it. He's like, you shot me in the back. Again, that's very Western. Mm. I'm sure I have seen Clint Eastwood say that or something. Like, I'm someone, I someone feel, will have said it. Like, like, you shot me in the back? Yeah, daddy. <laughs> like, you know, like that idea. Well, yeah, because Mal never like, shot anyone in the back. He's, no. He's facing the, him. Again, that's a really good example of good versus bad, isn't it? And so they... They start fighting to the death and the Reavers are kind of getting closer. Zoe, they Simon, it's the one bit of medicine that we see, like she he, he sprays foam in her back. Yeah, she gets chopped like, up a bit. So he, she's had her spine ripped out a bit, so he like sprays it. But the Reavers are coming in, they're coming on top of them. You know, they're losing out a bit. They, 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 they do fall back into what was supposed to be blast doors, which don't close completely. No, and and then we cut to Mel. He's actually, like, losing the battle with Victor this time. Like, mm. you know, the fight, he's not winning. Victor's kind of beating him up. He's bleeding pretty badly. Jane gets shot. Um, and with that, Kaylee also gets... She gets poison darts in the neck. Um, and, yeah, when they retreat, they try to close those doors, but they, they jam. Yeah, they don't. And then Simon's saying, my medical bag is actually back out that, and with that, he gets shot in the gut. Yes, of course. Everyone's getting shot. Everyone's got shot. Everyone's well, got something. Well, I think there's this point here where Jane says, is it time? Yeah. He says, yes, grenades. Yeah, And yeah. he finally gets to chuck his grenades out of the hole. He does, yeah. That, yep. that gives yep. them a, a little bit of respite so they can talk about what they're going to do. Yeah. And Mel and Victor fight to the death. And this is where he says to Mel that line, What's do you know what your sin is, Mel? And at the same time, again, to like raise those states, cutting from that battle back to Jane and that, they actually do say, do you think, Jane says, do you think Mel made it? Like, mm. did he actually deliver the message? Because if we're all dying here, yeah, was it worth it, you know? Um and with that, back with Mel and Victor, he does his paralysis move. Bam, right Bam, in the kidneys. right in the kidneys, back thing again. And Mel, you know, stays still um, and he waits a moment. And, of course, he goes off all, hey, I did my move. I'm cocky. I'm going to get my sword. And yeah. we know we I'm, know what he's going to do. I'm going to do the whole fall on the sword routine. That amuses me no uh, end. I, oh. <laughs> I love doing it to everyone. It's so... Um, but Coffee. with that, Mel has kind of tricked him and kind of comes back alive instantly, uh, hitting his vocals, knocking yep. him out, but. knocking the sword away, and attacks him. And he like does he like break both his shoulders or something? Oh, or he, dislocates his shoulders. Yeah, I think it's dislocated. He yeah. sort of grabs his arms and hooks them back. It's and kind plunk. of like he's uh, paralyzed, but in a different way, isn't yeah. it? And he, then he like pins him to this puts his metal arms behind thing. The, yeah. the bracket and then uses the sword to sort of. Lock him in place so he's he's got to watch what's going on. And he then says to him, I'm not going to kill you. Nope. You're going to watch this. And he broadcasts the little USB iceberg ice cube thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the message goes out to the masses and he says, I will show you. This is where Mel turns it back on him. Got to love it. I will show you a world without sin. Man, how do you come up with those? Like, I don't think I've ever come up with that. <laughs> That's a good line, isn't it? Like, because the I've, other guys kept going, do you know what your sin is before I kill you? I, and then now it's like, I'll show you a world without sin. Fuck I think you and your in the heat of that sort of moment, I would probably be just more like, 
shut up and watch this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you sit there, watch, look. Yeah. Uh, important message. Quiet. Don't Kids. be grinning. It's very important. Uh, and back in the tunnel, because uh, he's, we've got this problem. The door won't close. Medical bag is out there. Everyone's in the poop. Yep. Everyone's but shot or poisoned. River jumps out through the hole. She does. And she chucks the medical bag back. She does and, and locks the doors. And she closes. She managed to unjam the doors. And she annihilates so them. Who was actually left standing? Was River. Ja- uh, River and Jane. Matt. Jane was sitting there with like a bung. Ja- Jane was shot. Shot leg. Zoe yeah. had the spinal ripped out, the spine ripped out. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, Kay, Kaylee had, had the poison darts, darts yeah. and then Simon was shot. So they were all... Yeah, they were all messed <clears> up. They were all injured. We just had Shepard and Wash no, we didn't have Shepard. Killed. Oh, yeah, they had already died. Early in yeah. the film. Yeah. So at that point, you're going, well, this, yeah, that's... They're really much closing the this group. season. Yeah. This series is being come to a close, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, she kicks butt, doesn't she? She's, oh, well, she's goes a, into it. She's the weapon. perfect whip. Yeah. And she kills them all. And Mel, Mel, well, we don't actually know. So she's kicking butt and then Mel comes back down um, and he's, you know, like, where's River? And the door's open and she's kicked them all. But then the soldiers come in. Ah, oh. oh, bloody soldiers. And she's getting ready to kick all their butts. And yeah. um, they ask Victor, you know. Yeah, Vi- oh, yeah Victor comes staring say, up behind. Do we have the order to kill, you know? And all of the Serenity crew are like, oh, no, we're, we're pretty much there yeah. now. And um, he says, no, stand down. The mission is over. Yeah, it's over. Um, so they mourn the loss of life. Uh, they fix up the ship and they're getting ready to go back into space. Simon and Kaylee, finally, she gets... The sex. The sex that she wanted the whole time. She doesn't have to rely on her batteries oh, anymore. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Um, and I did want to Google, I wanted to look into, because I heard someone saying that something about them and ladders in the, in the series, that they're always around a ladder and they do, they get it on near a ladder in the movie. Yeah, and well, but that, I don't know if that's the truth or not. So if you're out there, if you can let me know via our The episode we watched, media, it opened with and they were standing Kaylee next to and Simon standing with the ladder. Yeah, so I've, I've got a feeling there's something to do with ladders. So it'd be good if people could let us know what the hell that means. Um, Social status because Kaylee's is quite common and Simon's yeah, a bit posh. Maybe the ladder maybe. is that sort of bridging gap. Bridging between. gap. Yeah, okay. Um, and so I will actually. I just invite Joss if he's listening. Yep. Get in touch with us and let us know about ladders. Yeah. What's the deal with ladders? Just you never know. Maybe in 10, 15 well, we years' time. We do do a ladder on this show, don't we? We'll come to that in a minute. Maybe you know. Maybe that's all he's doing. Just rating them, ranking them. They're on the same rung. Yep, that's right. They're on the, when they when they get it on. They're on the same rung. Yeah. She's on his run. (laughs) That's right. And anyway, Victor pops up here with Mel and he's a bit standoffish, but he warns them that the Alliance still may come for them, but he's done. Yeah. He told them that they were no longer a threat, not that he's their number one soldier anymore. He says something like that. Yeah, and he's he's not wearing the uniform. He's not wearing the uniform. He's, he's looking he's, a bit cash. He's in he's in his Sunday best now. He's yeah, just wandering around. He's going to go play some golf, I think. He's, um, he's retired. He's just going to get that sword out and do some sushi. Yeah, who knows? Uh, and then Anaira here has a moment with Mel where you know Mel's like, oh, "I'll take you back to your brothel." <laughs> and sex she, palace. Sex palace. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's the name you should have said the whole time. 
Sex Palace. Anyway, uh, and uh, but then she says, "Well, I'm unsure. I want to go back there." And he's like, "Good answer." So That's, yeah, you know they that fly they fly off into the sunset. Thank God you left that box of awkward belongings on the ship, eh? They fly off into the sunset, looking all sparkly and brand new. Uh, but then River is the co-pilot. With River as a co-pilot, yeah. and she's clearly knows how to actually fly it. Natch. And when they're flying off. There is a piece of the ship that falls off, and Mel says, "What was that?" The end. Cr- the end. Credits. We could almost uh, act this film out. I think. Sorry, maybe that's where we should go with the space brains narrative: is acting it out. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> hmm. Have you ever seen that movie Be Kind Rewind? Yes. Uh, Jack yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Where they do. And the, most deaf. They Swede. They Swede the movies. They Swede they call the movies, it. yeah. Yes. Maybe that's what we should do. We could do. We could Swede well, That could be movies. another podcast altogether. We just reenact movies. There's a couple of that do similar things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the viewing experience was a bit different because we were at this festival and we did talk about that. My, and I think my first impressions after seeing it was, well, yeah, it's obvious it's a Western. It's so clearly a Western in space. And it made me think, well, that's pretty clever. Like you take one genre and then you just shove it into another one. You yeah, just make it, it literally. It like works it. quite well because, I, I mean, mean, Star Spain. Trek even says it. You know, the final frontier. Final frontier, yeah. And the, all the westerns were all about life on the frontier. You know, like mm. that edge of civilization where one direction there is more and more civilization and and progress is coming. Railways are coming, but then in the other direction is wilderness and savagery, and, uh, yeah, yeah. the unknown, and yeah. and even your own people are a little bit wilder, a little that's less right. tame. Well, also, like, again, like, when they did the heist, like, that's right, like, you can't, quite often governments can't afford to have police everywhere, can they? Like, that's a pillar of society is, like, education and police and health, and, you know, you can't, if you're trying to set out all these outposts, you can't necessarily have mm. them all well stocked at one point in time. You know, you've got to kind of because it's your res- your resources get too thin, don't they? So quite often in these westerns, it's like that final frontier, that final town. The sheriff is is tougher, you know, and that's why you have that. You know, the sheriff got shot. We need another sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you want to be the sheriff? You know, like uh, oh, I want to be the deputy, the one that sits. <laughs> <laughs> sits in the jail or like rocking back on his chair, yeah. like playing cards, that sort of thing. They quite often get in. They quite often get shot first. Yeah, yeah it's a gut. It's a gut <laughs> shot too, isn't it? It's, it's it never is. a good one. Or they get like bolted up by being tricked by the brothel or something, uh, you know, and they get bolted inside the sex the, palace. The sex palace <laughs> of, um, of Dusty Gulch. I did think that this film is a bit like Die Hard, because in the way that. There's the very similar beats to Die Hard. Um, Die Hard's a bit westerny too, though. Isn't yeah, it? that's the thing. You look at so um, it reminded the me good, the bad, and the ugly, and, and yeah, but Last I, Man I, Standing. That scene where they are at the Sex Palace and it's Anara and you know Victor and Mel. The same thing happens in Die Hard, and I saw this when they talked about Die Hard making Die Hard that they were like, we have to have a scene earlier in the film where Bruce and um, Rick, isn't it? Rick, um... Professor Snape. <laughs> Alan Rickman. Alan, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Who, you know, great actor. I love Alan Rickman, right? And in Die Hard, he's just, he's just so good. But they, they the writers, were, the writer was like Hans saying, Gruber. Hans, Hans. They had to be in a scene 
earlier in the film to build the tension. And yeah. really, when I watched uh, Serenity, I thought, oh, he's, Josh is doing the same trick here. And in Die Hard, of course, the trick was, well, Bruce, John, doesn't know he's the bad guy. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's how they could meet each other and have a moment where the audience are like, but he's the bad guy, he's the bad guy, don't talk to him. And, and he's like, I'll get you out of here, you know? Yeah. And it's like in this, and it's not the same context, but it was, it's like, how do you get, when you got like this assassin and then you got Mel, like why would they meet up? They wouldn't meet up. But Mel is like, well, I want to see who's pulling the strings. Yeah. Right? So he was willing to risk it. Um, so I thought it was actually a fair bit like Die Hard, this movie. I could see some of those beats to the Serenity story. Hard. <laughs> well, that changes the context, doesn't it? And I said this to you afterwards that what was really good about Serenity was it's two hours long, but and we might have just made it feel like it goes for a lot longer by going through those narrative plot points compared to watching it. I oh, know, but you remember these things and you just got yeah, to, you got to talk about it. You do have to talk about it. But... Uh, I did really feel like, wow, that was two hours went really fast. Like the yeah, scenes was... really flowed from one to the next. The pace really moved. Well, it's interesting because on this past weekend, I watched the most recent Star Wars film and it's very fast as well, but it felt slow. Mm. Like it took, it felt like it was a long time with all the action. Yeah. Whereas this one here, there's a lot of action and the whole time you're, you're almost sort of being buffeted from one sequence to the next but it's more like you're in a a rail cart yeah being shot along and and seeing all everything and it's all just going straight at your head yeah uh, it's it was very well it was well like managed a roller coaster maybe yeah like it was, that you kind of like you had a bend and then you went up and then you went down so you never you don't realize you're on the roller coaster for five minutes because you're kind of in the thrill of the roller coaster. Yeah. And it's, this film, like it's two hours and you could, you know, I've sat through two hour films where you're like, oh, that was two hours. But it didn't feel like I never, I was really surprised that the two hours went now by. Now, when like you mentioned it, it on the night, I remember seeing when it, you know, press play and the little red bar starts <laughs> scooping across and it was like two hours. two hours and two minutes or whatever it was. I remember seeing it going, really? I don't remember, you know, hmm. That would be interesting to see how that goes. Did I sign up for two hours? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it goes on at a nice pace. I didn't feel as if I was being sped through any places at all. No, I, I did feel as if there's far more to the universe that could be explored. Definitely, yeah. I but agree. I do like that in, in a lot of movies. Uh, Fifth Element does that very well. Yeah. That's a movie where you come out of that thinking, there's so much more I want to know about that Correct. place. Yeah, yeah. And we will do that film in the future, definitely. So what about um, what you felt about the ladder? For me, I'm just putting this one right in the middle, right right in the middle of my ladder. So, you know, we've got about 20 films on there. I think this one comes in on about the 10th rung. Again, it's not saying it's better or worse or anything, but I'm just going to put it right smack bang in the middle, I think. And the reason for that is I think... I think it lives up to probably all of the expectations people expected from the TV show. For me as someone that I guess I'm just walking in cold with everything, um, I kind of do think, you know, you've got all these characters on a ship and then they're rescuing this girl and it's a universe, sure, but I mean, I'm not sure if I was completely invested into that Mm. ship and those people to the same degree that maybe people that really followed the TV you, show. You could tell and, there's there's a lot of pre-work. Yeah, which... 
and and like Led we said, like Shepard dying, like to us in the movie, if you have never seen the TV show, if you just take the movie, yes, they go to him and Mal and him have a nice little, you know, mentor kind of moment. But then the next time he's dead, you know, it's, it's, it's not giving me much of a chance to kind of have a huge care factor about I, that. I like, don't think it actually points out in the film that he was a member of the crew no, for it doesn't, some it doesn't. considerable time. So that, that's what I mean. There's not a lot of... Um, context around the character, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this guy has died, and they they care for him, but why do I maybe? I, I think like, it's I think it's yeah, middle, just above middle, and I I would say the reason for that is the the storytelling is quite well done. As you said yeah, the, the pace goes great. through the, pace is great. the the way the characters interact was was very entertaining, and I was expecting that. I, I'm mm. a fan of Joss, and. Um, I love, as we say, love the dialogue. Yeah, it it did work very well, but but yeah, there was it was clearly uh, a small segment of what should have and could have been a lot larger. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, again, this is one of those things. Like, you know, we had Lord of the Rings was like one, two, three. You know, maybe a movie or a universe like this needs three films to kind of make yeah, it. Yeah, we could have had a bit more information about you know the origin. Yeah, so how yeah. did they all get to be together on this Serenity and some of the adventures they that bonded them as a yeah. crew? Yeah, I just, I just think there's probably a, even though we had that great you know long tracking shot at the start of the film of these people, it's it was very much like why should I be invested in these people? Mm. You know, and and I think if you were a fan, if you watch the TV show, you just automatically invested. Yeah, and maybe that was just the expectation is that you've seen the TV show. Well, I yeah. think having watched that episode before the movie yeah. helped with it that. It did help. It so did when Shepard turned up and, oh, that's right, yeah. yeah, yeah Shepard yeah. wasn't on the ship. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, here he is. He's been dropped off here. Uh, so there was a bit of connection there. So it's it's quite good. It's an unusual way to go where you go from TV series to a movie. Yeah. Usually it's movie broken down to TV series. Yeah. But it was done quite well. And I would like to see it more often. It, it worked well for the next gen series. That finished the TV series, and they sort of made several movies about it. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, they got lots of different versions of the cartoon. They do, and then but then they made the movie. They got versions. several movies. Yeah. yeah, I've never watched them. Two two different franchises. Uh, you really have to watch if you're a fan like me. I was a big fan of Turtles. Yeah, and the toy the, that that's the thing. Um, I played the role playing game. Yeah. Of it. Okay. That's where I know I'm from. Okay. A bit more information about you. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but yeah, I was a big fan of them in the 80s and the 90s. And so those movies were like, they stood out to me. And then I did watch the recent, in our, in our, no, the recent version that came out five years ago or something with, I watched that with my son. And um, yeah, it's sort of, it's, it's just fun. Like it's not anything serious, but it's good fun. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, that, I'm diverging there. What about best scene, worst scene? What do you reckon? Uh, What's best, the scene that stood best out? Best scene. One of the scenes that stood out for me uh, is that opening um, flashback within a flashback within a video conference. Yeah, I totally agree. Or, yeah, I reckon that was clever. It was just like because uh, I was just watching and I was interested in the story. Yeah, the way it presented, you know, the the colonists and why do you think they don't like us? Oh, because we're telling them how to think yeah. and what to do. And no, we're not. We're helping them be civilized. You could have found out more about that, couldn't you? And but you sort of, oh, that's, quite... that's okay. That's an interesting take yeah. on, yeah, the, the, the tensions between these two groups. And then it flashes, oh, actually, no, it's this 
woman, probably her memories. Yeah. And she's sort of being interrogated or something. Yeah. And then there's an escape scene. Yeah. And then, no, no, it's, yeah. More and more and more. Assassin, it? like, yeah. it's just a great way of rolling it all in together. And it, it felt, uh, felt very fluid, yeah. felt natural. It, none of those scenes got to outlive their stay. No. It was just that point where you're getting just enough information from the school and so forth. Yeah. When, and, you, and there was a bit of foreshadowing that there was going to be a breakout or something. Was something was going to happen because the, the Simon who was acting as a government official was sort of getting a bit more tension involved. Like, you know, and, you know, well, what progress have you made? Why yeah, is yeah. it so good? You know, yeah, yeah. and there's sort of this bit of standoff there. And so you knew something was going to happen and then it did. And then before it sort of, yeah, they got into the spaceship and flew away. And then you've got to have a scene that bridges that to, okay, now they're all just kind of sitting in a spaceship talking. Uh, it cut away. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was good cutaways, cutaways, cutaways. I love that too myself. Um, one that stood out to me was, and I just, I kind of love this because I also love, you know, apocalypse films and zombie apocalypse films. And just, I love that idea of, you know, when you see cities deserted. So Planet Miranda. Mm. So just when they landed there and just, okay, at first there's no bodies. It's just this beautiful futuristic city. You know, they're walking around. I, I, I always like that. And, and and I liked the style of this and I was really surprised. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's a high school in LA, which is amazing. It was a way he saved a lot of money um, was by shooting at that all at a high school. Well, that high school um, didn't save much money with their architecture. Did they? <laughs> no, they, well, that doesn't matter to a filmmaker. It's like, wow, you've built this? Sure, I'll film it. Can we film that? Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, yeah, but I love that idea. And then when they discovered the bodies and... You know, it was a really cool twist that, you know, because quite often you can have just skeletons, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But they had they had that idea of skeletons outside and then in the car, the skeleton was kind of half decomposing. And then inside that particular office yeah, building, was, uh, they were actually... Hermetically sealed in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of, you know, they, they I didn't even need them to explain. I'm just like, oh, that's awesome. Like, mm. that's really cool that, you know, these ones inside a building are actually, you know... They're, they're they're drooping and they're they're you know they they've lost their uh, life as of course. Well, but, they've got the one dude pressed up against yeah, the window. Yeah, and half his face is kind of mushed down, you know. And it's a it's a really nice touch. But I I like that. And then of course the hologram image scene where I mean it's been done in other movies, but I I, I like it's always a cool idea, isn't it? It's like discovering video footage or something, you know, that shows you oh when the attack happened. And or it's whatever, well you know? it was. The whole cool. like attack that. was all off screen too, yeah, that's which right. added so, to it because yeah. we never actually saw the Reavers do anything particularly bad. No, they did a lot of, sort of jumping around and they sort of shot yeah. a couple of guys. Yeah, and they grabbed a few people. It was all implied, violence, but they're, they're always you know. told that you know they eat people alive. They don't yeah. want them dead; they want them alive. Yeah, so they, they derange, you know, they do terrible things them to and them. Cut them and-, and but we never actually had to see any of that. It was all off screen yep. sort of work, which is great. Yeah, uh, I think also another good. Oh, you're, you're talking about empty scenes, empty things. That, I think that's what Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, that. Th- yeah, that's that, a good one. That does it. The re- oh, the rest of the movie is quite good, but that scene. Yeah, sets it up, London. and I think Miranda, likewise, that scene of going through the the ghostly, empty, eerie mm, place, yeah. and then seeing the bodies leads up to that hologram and gives it added importance. It does. Because, you know, there's this mystery where they're all dead and you find out they were just basically, the government just basically drugged them asleep. Yeah. Essentially. Slowly drugged them asleep. And they just 
lay down and died. Yep. Which also explains why River was unkeen to be put to sleep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, Definitely. yeah, that was, that was great. Worst scenes? Yeah, I, I struggle to think of a bad scene, really. Uh, um, because I, yeah, I, I really liked the pace. I think it bumped from one scene to the next really well. Oh, okay. I think the bit where Simon confronts Mal just after the heist and he's all tough guy. Yeah. I've, I, it should have shocked me because maybe it wouldn't have shocked me had I not seen the TV episode beforehand. I saw the TV episode beforehand and he was kind of a bit he was soft dorky and, and yeah, a bit, dorky, yeah. he was like the, Posh he was the tenderfoot. Yeah. You know, yeah. He never, from, would, I don't think you'd ever would have stand up to him in the from TV the big show. city, but in the, in the movie, he's sort of wearing, you know, slightly tougher looking jumpsuit type yeah. of thing, you know, and was a bit, more he's, he's keen-eyed, eye, yeah. And, you know, sort of his eyes frowny were more, and, yeah, focused and frowny. Yeah, and so I, yeah, may, maybe because I'd seen the TV show and his character there, and I hadn't and, seen that was episode seven. I hadn't seen the six yeah. episodes afterwards. And I was just going to say, actually, probably what I said earlier with Zoe being a bit of a non-existent character in a way, like mm. she it was she was Wash's wife, kind of or partner. Like she didn't yeah. really stand on her own two feet. So I suppose to me. It's not so much a worse scene, but that was definitely something I thought. It wasn't was as a strong as the other yeah. things because yeah. she sort of had a few lines there just to sort of allow Mal to expose information. Yeah, and again, it is surprising with old old Mister Whedon because he's known for his strong female characters, and I mean they are in this film, of course. Mm. And but by the time you get to Zoe, maybe he'd run out of reasons for another strong woman. But yeah, Who knows? I know I know way back uh, reading. Uh, an interview about after Buffy and he was saying that be, I think I'm pretty sure the article went something along the lines of because he was raised by a single mum or, or you know his parents divorced at some point during his childhood or ten, and his mum did everything and so he was he thought writing wise that you know women should be strong they should be strong characters and that's where he kind of had this idea of Buffy and etc you know like that's where he developed that idea not mm. the idea of Buffy itself but yeah, that idea of the a strong female character. Yeah. yeah. And it is in Dollhouse and it is in Serenity and, you know, et cetera. So what about any science, sorry? What are you saying? Well, I was talking to about knocking out gas. Yeah. And the interesting, uh, I suppose the interesting thing about the human body with um, mood-altering substances, so in particular if you're looking for long-term uh, sort of large-scale so you know, what do you call it? Um, personality alteration. So mm, yeah. you're talking about manipulating serotonin, dopamine, and so forth. These are your, your primary transmitter chemicals. These are the things that trigger uh, different parts of your brain to act and fire off signals. And the problem is, of course, that your body can has receptors for these and you can fill them up with one or the other or overload them and you just like a, a drug, you'll become accustomed to certain things. And it's entirely possible, and people on various antidepressant medications have had somewhat subtle alterations in personality because of it. They've become, say, uh, loss of appetite, you know, like permanently loss of appetite, yeah, or yeah. gain in appetite, or loss of sexual libido, or, or a gain, you know, like there's sort of this varying things so i could well imagine then if you go and spread something that's supposed to pacify people mm. which presumably would drop down 
you know, adrenaline levels would, would reduce maybe some of the testosterone, some of the androgens uh, amounts. First of all, your body will probably try and compensate because we've, we've got a, a thermostat system, which means that in order for it to remain effective, you have to up the dose. Yeah. And then once you overcome a certain threshold, then you over, you've overwhelmed the body. So it's not too surprising, really, that you ended up either with people who went, uh, had a psychotic break of some sort or, down and died. or just went, <laughs> or just totally lost their, their will to act and just didn't feed themselves. Didn't, they just couldn't be bothered breathing. Not worth it. Just like, <laughs> just like me on the Christmas holidays. <laughs> a couple of mornings there, I just lie there and, and almost couldn't be bothered breathing. That's right. Yeah. But in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but I suppose something that uh, Sean, um, the fellow who invited us to this, viewing yeah. yeah he talked about the fact that there's no faster than light travel which is surprising almost every science fiction film comes up with some way to deal with faster than light travel not having light speed you know not having all the all the other, other things like no one's teleporting anywhere do you know what i mean it's all very we've well, got to go there it's going to take time we're going to run out of, run out of fuel on the way it's always an issue. Do we have enough coin to pay for the next trip? Um, so it's all very visceral. It's all very real. I like that. Uh, the way Joss has dealt with it in this is he's made a super system as a solar system. And most stars uh, in our, say, orange star size are probably born as twins. Yep. And then they separate because they've got very strong gravities and shoot each other off uh, or they merge together and form something bigger. Yeah. But a lot of the time they will form stable uh, orbits. And there have been up to, I think, systems with up to seven suns. Now, they're quite distant from each other. So we're not talking about uh, an Earth-like planet revolving around a cluster of five, yeah. but rather more like there'll be one sun in one location and then out uh, at, say, the distance of um, Neptune, another no, smaller, sun. weaker sun, and then another planet, another sun off, you know, another goodly distance away. So that they have, because if they're too close, they'll actually collapse together and, yeah, yeah. and form whatever. And so there are some systems with five or seven. I think seven is the largest. Right, uh, and these and have, do, do the planets then revolve around all three, or well, sort of like got, they might they've go all around got one? Wacky, they've all got wacky um, orbitals. So right. here, where we have one sun, yeah. we're all but basically we're all, on the one plane. Yeah. So the moon, uh, if you look right. up at the moon and you see a very bright star, some nights, that's actually probably Venus. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying, and if you want to find the other planets, you've got to look on that that same east west. Yeah. Axis. And you will generally find Except them. Except yeah. for Pluto, which yeah. is slightly off kilter. Yeah. Which is why it's thought that it's probably a captured satellite and not a true planet of our solar system. Right. So it could be an alien. But these systems which have multiple stars um, staying in, you know, in gravitational sort of relationships, they don't have a nice, neat um, plane like that. They have them all off in weird angles. Yeah. And there's, yeah, and that's been observed. And so that's where this star cluster that they're around 
I think there's this there's one uh, seven star system about forty light years away from Earth. Yeah, right. So it could be that that's what this was yeah. based on. And there's some like twenty five planets or something in this system. So it's a really good idea, and I quite like it because it does get around. Okay, you don't need faster than light. No. You're still going to take months to travel. Yeah. Um, to between some places, some places might be weeks. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have more advanced. Um, you know, propulsion systems, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have, for the sake of uh, making a TV show easy, they've got gravity. Yeah, As, and Always and I think in, in order to have, yeah, in a standalone movie like say two thousand and one, you can get away with having big orbital, you know, spinny yeah. things. But if you've got a movie where people have got to walk around and act, you yeah. know, and you've got a budget and all that sort of <laughs> thing, you you kind of need to. Yeah, and I've got to say, if I had to watch like a TV series where they're all like floating around yeah. in zero G, uh, it would sort of get a bit tiresome. Yeah. You'd just be going, oh, just wave it's, your hand and have some gravity magic. I, I was work. just going to say, but it's interesting because I think a few of the more recent, um, you know, movies that are, you know, people going into space and stuff like that. Like even we saw it with um, the space between us, but I was thinking I watched, you know, Life with Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal and that, like that they float around like it's not gravity because yeah. it's supposed to be now, you know what I mean, yeah. like the present day on the space station and stuff. So, uh, and I was just trying to think, what was the other, the beyond as well, like, you know, they make it that, well, this is our current technology. We don't yeah. quite have that. Whereas, again, this movie, you know, we're a bit, we're a bit more sometimes. It's in the like future, 500 you know? years or something that says yeah. that you're the 26th century. So, or although some of the technology is still not much for, you know, like, yeah, well, we've, maybe that's what we put all our efforts into. <laughs> well, you go back and 500 years, we still have yeah. so many knives and forks. We've got chairs. Yeah. Uh, our, our cars now have engines in them, yeah. not drawn by horses, but they're basically four wheels on a frame. Yeah with some seats in it that's that hasn't changed in 500 years no. so you'd well imagine that yeah in 500 years time there'd be a few things would have better engines better batteries and energy sources but they're still going to have knives and forks and seats and Certainly. seat belts and uh, a lot of yeah, windows yeah. and so forth yeah so it's, it's quite it's quite good this this getting around fast and light travel and I would like to see more shows like that. Mm. There, there was a short-lived show back in the 90s called... SV-1, Submersible Vehicle. It was, it was about a submarine in our ocean, Earth, like a futuristic Earth. And we had colonized parts of the ocean. Oh, right. Because... Uh, we you know we needed more food and mining minerals and so forth and we hadn't successfully really gotten off the planet, so it was basically Star Trek in the ocean, right? Yeah. And they were on board this big submarine and the submarine's job was essentially to do it was a research vessel but it was also a you know did uh, checkups on research stations and and so that was much the same sort of thing where it would take you know days to go or in some cases weeks to go from location to location yeah, yeah. and they just sort of sail about the place yeah having adventures and dispensing wisdom similar idea but i like the idea that firefly has and i i can't think of any other movie or show that has had a similar thing except for this submarine one but that was sort of underwater where they've gotten around fast and light travel by saying well you can't do it yeah 
But here's a way we can have multiple planets yeah. and different governments yeah. and different stars and all this sort of science fiction complexity of space travel without having to Speed of light. come up with some sort of hand wave about subspace transport. Because as soon as you start doing that, and Star Trek suffers a bit from this, yeah. you start getting this magic or this deus ex machina effect where you can just basically have someone go, I will inverse the polarity of the proton wonks and defeat something and you kind of go well okay never heard of that before sure yeah that's right yeah i mean you can do everything else yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely and it's funny because that um i agree makes the world seem more believable and i think that's what you know was spoken about about that grittiness of the fact that in serenities and fireflies world is that these the ships don't go that fast. They use real. They still use guns with bullets. You know, they don't have the lasers and stuff like that. Yeah, they're not that's... sabers and stuff like. So yeah, the, as you said, the propulsion is obviously a lot faster. But because the they only jump in from one planet to the next. I mean, yeah, maybe it is just a couple of days. You know, and so even with this, even with your writing of the story, well. That's the magic of movies, isn't it? Mm. Like it's like us. We if we were a TV show saying we're going to go from Perth to Sydney, you know, like, and we're going to drive there. It's going to take us two days nonstop. But well, we can just be there in the next shot, can't we? Yeah, you know. And, and people are, oh yeah, well that's believable. But the important but, point being is you don't get the magical escape. No, that's right. You can't yeah. go if we just get to warp speed, off we pop, and yeah. you don't have people suddenly appearing either. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh, we need help. Well, the nearest station is weeks away. Weeks away. <laughs> so we're kind of on our own. We're going to have to yeah. deal with things yeah. ourselves. And I guess it goes back to not only the Western idea, but maybe more of that, you know, the colonial times of ships, you know, they, that it would take so many weeks. You know, England to Australia was months, wasn't it? It was like three months or something, I think, that used to take people so on the ships. Holy so, moly. Have you, you watched know, that like, movie Master and Commander? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. got a really great bit where they, they get all dinged up from a battle. Yeah. And they heave up on Madagascar or Africa mm. or something. Yeah, rather, yeah. And they literally go out, chop down trees, yep. start cleaning them up, yeah. make new masts. Yeah, that's right. You know, and it, it takes weeks of... Yep. of chop, and they've got to go out hunting, gathering fresh yeah. water. Yeah, they're... They're on their own. They're their own little town. They've got the carpenters and yeah. the sail rights and the yeah. rope makers and the yeah, yeah. blacksmiths. And that's what you have to do. See, it's a cool idea to take that into space, isn't it? Mm. Right? Like, so it's not like, oh, we just futuristically laser things together and zap, 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 software needs fixing. It's like, no, like, this, you know, if someone chases us like ships on the sea, like Master and Commander, it's like, oh, they're going to bang into us. And that's what happens here, isn't it? The yeah. ships, like the Reaver's ship literally crashes into them, you know, like, so they physically, you can't, uh, as you said, you can't just time warp away from another ship. Oh, we're more powerful than you. It's like, oh, they're on our tail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like and they'll, they'll they keep, might sink us. You they know? can like, keep following until some condition changes. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, they are actually faster than us. Oh, shit, what are we going to do about it, you know? So, yeah, it's a good idea for a universal kind of sci-fi idea i can see yeah it's great okay joss i'm stealing it yep (laughs) so you're stealing the opening and you're stealing that oh my god i'm just gonna make a reboot of firefly firefly go for it done (laughs) sold well what so so look i'm not going to talk too much about the technicalities because i think we've covered it tonight and to be honest like 
and this isn't a downfall of it. I think the fact that it's come from TV, we this, this film is really fast paced and that's what's great about it. The dialogue's really great, but I, I didn't really see much in cinematography and lighting and anything that really stood out in a film wise. No, just, that opening uh, sequence, yeah, that idea. Well, that was a clever idea, but yeah. Otherwise, it and was. As I said, like there's that really long tracking shot, but otherwise, I mean, it does everything according to the rules, but there wasn't anything that really stood out. Um, except for then symbolically we have this idea of probably a Western in space, you know, which yeah. again, I think we've covered lots tonight. So I don't really want to just rehash stuff. So yeah, I'm not really going to, I think I'm just going to yeah, move we've, on. From no, that no, well, I think we, we've really we, gone into it. We often do break down a bit. In the, <laughs> we do, we do. And that's thing. fine. That's fine. Um, and as narrative wise, I think that's what that is really good in this film is just the strength of the overall narrative. You know, it's a yes. really strong plot point. Um, so yeah, we'll move on. Uh, let us know what you thought about Serenity and seeing how there is so many fans out there, it'd be great for them to get on our Twitter feed and just go nuts at every mistake we've made, everything that we're wrong about, everything that Whedon, you know, apparently proposed about, you know, the future of and governments. And tell and us why it is that Firefly should not have been cancelled because yeah. I, I saw that one episode and yeah, it was entertaining. It was nice characters and so forth. Uh, was the budget too high for what they were getting back? Um, what? Why should it have been retained? Like, I've seen better shows get cancelled earlier. Yeah, and I say that only from the strength of seeing one small episode out of time context. Yeah, because this and isn't the '90s anymore either. So, no. when I'm watching on Netflix, uh, I look at the reboot of Lost in Space, for example. Mm, yeah. And that's all like the the, the visuals and the, the computer-generated graphics and all of a sudden very uh, much much more modern. And obviously this is 1990-something. No, 2005. 2002. 2005. Uh, it, well, I mean the TV show. Oh, it, the TV show. 2002. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sort of felt like 90s. I guess it's it the end. It would have been made now. I think it's part of that. Um, Josh Whedon, yeah, so, fear vibe. <clears throat> so maybe if it was rebuilt today, it would, you know, maybe if I'd watched it at the time, it would have been more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let, let us know what it is about because every time I say Firefly to anyone who knows about it, they they go off their rocker at me about how wonderful it is. Yeah, and look, and, I got, and I'm this. not denying that it isn't wonderful. I'm just asking you, tell me what it is. And you know, I've met fans, you've met fans, you work with them, and also like. This is a little bit of trivia when I looked up this Serenity thing, you know, like the TV show was cancelled. Josh Whedon tried to get everyone else to make it, you know, to get to mm. get do a season two. No one was on board. He got a producer on Michael Blander or Bander or something. I'm, I'm, I didn't write down his name. But they sent the idea to a couple of different studios and the lady, again, I don't know her name, but at Universal, she was a fan of the TV show. And uh -huh. she said, yep, yeah. she she was like, yep, yeah, let's make a movie. Absolutely. Like, so here we go. That's what I mean. Like, there's a perfect example. Like, the fans that like this, they're real hardcore fans. Absolutely. And, and he, he 11 can, episodes and they're like, They're more. still talking about it. And and the other thing I was going to say is, like, so she gave it the green light, but then when they really upped it, Josh Whedon has said the sales of the DVD of the series Firefly was what convinced them to make the movie. Mm. Um, and they were willing to give him a big budget but shoot it overseas to save money, which is very common. 
he didn't want to leave LA. So instead of giving him 80 mil and going over to somewhere like um, the Czech Republic or something like that to save a lot of money or Bolivia or something. Ireland. Uh, yeah, Ireland possibly. Ireland have, yeah. Well, they've got big discounts Or even cuts Australia. Like sometimes, you know, there's benefits the coming to Australia, right? Yeah. But uh, instead of going there, he didn't want to leave LA. So he convinced them he could do it for 40 mil. And that, so he sliced the budget in half. They're like, go for it. Um, and it's really funny because if you look up the numbers, I I did write it down somewhere. Um, but so they gave him 40 mil. He spent 39 mil. And the movie made something like 38.925 or something. So it was just shy of the 39 mil. So it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, but there's a little bit, what I, what I was trying to say in that whole context anyway, was the fans all went out and bought the DVD, which convinced them to do it. The lady at Universal was actually a fan of the TV show. Mm. So she's like, yeah, let's make a movie. Like it, people are so passionate. So I really want them to get on board on Twitter and let us know what we've said that's completely wrong tonight or right or correct us and tell us their version of Firefly and Serenity. So how do they do that, Sorry. Uh, they can tweet us at Space Brains Pod. They can hit us on Facebook, Space Brains Podcast. Instagram, Space Brains Podcast. Yes, send us uh, a photo. Space Brains at <laughs> gravityundone.net. Yep. Email. And listen to the podcast and let us know what you think about it. Next episode, we are going more into recent times with a time travel movie called See You Yesterday. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> and I've got to say, you got to watch this. We did Back to the Future, and uh, there is a little cameo in this movie. I'm not going to give oh, anything away, my God. but there's a cameo in the first five or so minutes that is makes this movie just worth watching for that, I've got to say. Okay. Right. So I'm we will be talking it. about that next week. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for tonight, that is Serenity. Serenity. Out. Serenity now. <laughs> See ya. Bye.